Welcome to another episode of Conspiragate. My tr- name is Troy Thomas. I'm Roman the Rapper. And today we're going to have a motherfucking gangster party because we're talking about the deaths of Tupac Shakur and Biggie Smalls. Yeah, yeah. All right, Roman. Now you're like the rap expert. This is Roman the Rapper. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to have you lead this off. So w- w- where should we start with this crazy story? <sighs> Man, there's so many threads. Like, I didn't even know how deep this was until I really started looking more into it. Because there's a lot of stuff that's come out recently that was kind of kept under wraps before because people weren't really trying to snitch on each other. But a lot of the people are dead now. So <laughs> so they're like, okay, now we can snitch. Well, what happened was uh, when Russell Poole was doing his investigation, Russell Poole was a, a detective that worked uh, for LAPD. Um he started doing research and doing a documentary and, you know, writing a book and all sorts of shit about this. And in his research, cause he worked for the LAPD. So he felt that there was some corruption in the LAPD, which we'll definitely get into. Yeah. And he felt that they were complicit or responsible for the murder of Biggie because they, there were a lot of LAPD officers that worked for or were friends with Suge. And what ended up happening was, uh, Biggie's mom, Valletta Wallace, actually filed a wrongful death suit for $400 million. Oh, my God. For the city of L.A. And they oh were like, God. holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm going to buy L.A. after I win that case. Well, they said, if this goes through, it'll bankrupt us. Yeah, that's insane. So, I mean, I get, I get it. Like, yeah, get yours. But at the same time. That's so much money. <laughs> well, you got to, okay, because they actually had somebody testify, apparently, um, some financial guy, that that would have been his lifetime earnings in the music. And uh, oh, honestly, it's right. kind of hard to dispute. Cause... Yeah, it really is, if you think about it. Because if you look at, like, Jay-Z or, like, Dr. Dre or anyone like that, they like I think some of them are billionaires now. <laughs> oh, yeah, Jay-Z, for sure. Um, Dr. Dre is pretty close, I think. But... Us. Like, after Biggie died, he had um, a double album that came out right after he died. Yeah. It sold, it sold, it went diamond. It sold 10 million copies. Oh, yeah. Which was unheard of for a rap album. I think, I don't even know if Tupac went diamond at the time. Mm. But it was kind of, it was kind of, it it was a little bit of a cheat because it was a double album. Mm -hmm. So each, each one counted as two. But, oh, okay. But the price was also inflated. So I think it was like, I think it must have been like, I don't know, it was at least 15 bucks, probably like 20 bucks. Yeah. But you got to figure $15. What's $15 times 10 million? I mean, uh, yeah, one second. I can do that. 15 times. It's like, was that 150 million? Yeah. Yeah, that's just off of one album. Right. And so, then, yeah, so then take into account the next 25, 24 years. Well, yeah, and not just not just his own solo stuff. He had other people that he wrote for. He had he had a group he was working on. Um, it was going to be like Biggie, Jay-Z, Puff Daddy. They were going to like do like a group album. Uh, he had Junior Mafia, Lil' Kim. He had like so much stuff he was working on. Yeah. So it, I'm sure he would have been worth like somewhere around a billion by now for sure. Yeah, and then, like, yeah, for sure. Because he could have gone into, like, the same businesses that, like, Jay-Z did, where it's, like, he's not just doing music anymore. He's doing, like, you know, fragrances. He's doing, like, clothing or whatever the fuck. 
Yeah. So, so whoever it was, the, the financial expert went and testified in court that he would have been worth $400 million. So they said they were going to sue the city. And of course, money fucking talks. They didn't give a shit about this case before. This, <laughs> <laughs> this was like 2006. So it had been a cold case for like 10 years at that point. Yeah. Probably longer than that by then. So they said, okay, we need to find out what actually really happened and we need to disprove this theory that the LAPD was involved. And did they? Yes. Okay. So they hired this uh, other detective named Greg Kading. And that's kind of where this second investigation started off. So I just want to do a disclaimer here real quick. <laughs> it's, oh, is this, is this another Brian Singer thing where we're like, you know, allegedly. Yeah. Um, allegedly, <laughs> this is all purely for entertainment purposes. Except, except we aren't worried about getting sued. We're worried about getting killed. <laughs> you got it, dude. So this is all alleged. This is all for entertainment purposes. We are not snitching. We do not support snitching. <laughs> We are very anti-snitch. All this is alleged uh, based on things that we've seen, interviews. All this is public information. Right. We're it's not just, outing anybody. It's observers observing. And we're not talking to any police officers. We have no connections really to this story. We're just a couple of assholes with a podcast. We didn't see nothing. We don't know nothing. Exactly. Anyway, <laughs> let's get into it. <laughs> so, okay. So, I don't even know where to start this. I, I guess we should start with the gang ties. Okay, so what are the, the gang ties? <clears throat> so, uh, Death Row is uh, tied to the, uh, the Pyrus, uh, Compton uh, uh, Blood Gang, um, through Suge, which was from the neighborhood, but wasn't really a gangster, according to the guys in some of these interviews. Um, so uh, some of this information came from uh, Vlad TV interviews and some of it came from uh, other interviews and uh, some of these TV specials. Like I was just watching this Netflix uh, special called Unsolved, which was uh, done by uh, Greg Kading, I think. And um, basically they said like Suge, so Suge Knight, which is short for Sugar Bear, by the way. <laughs> okay. Just want to say, but, <laughs> so, you know. It's 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 interesting when uh, somebody's killing him to be a gangster, but his nickname <laughs> is Sugar Bear. Yeah, it's like Sugar Bear's gonna kick my and like Sugar Bear will kick your ass. <laughs> yeah, it, but it, it's funny to see how fake some of this shit is. Because oh, really? According to these guys, he wasn't really that much of a tough guy. He was just more of like a a bully that could kind of get away with picking on people that were weaker than him. Uh, okay. So if but you stood anyway. up to him, maybe he wouldn't, like, kick your ass. Yeah, basically. Or if you were, like, the same size as him or bigger, he might think twice. So is the DOC a liar? Because the DOC was like, yeah, I'd be, like, grabbing women's asses who are, like, with their boyfriends in, like, these clubs, and Suge would just, like, kick their asses if they ever wanted to fuck with me. I don't know how much ass-kicking Suge was doing. Maybe. Suge seemed more like he was tough with his homies behind him, but they weren't really his homies according to this. Oh, okay. He was basically paying these guys. Oh. He like he knew guys from the neighborhood, but he wasn't really a gangbanger. And when he realized he could pay these guys for protection, then he got all tough. Kind of the same thing kind of happened with Tupac. Tup so, Tupac. 
Tupac oh, I'm sorry, wasn't really yeah it's like Tupac wasn't really like a gangster he wasn't like a pussy or anything but he wasn't like he wasn't like really like a thug like that was he like Dr. Dre where he was wearing like a sparkly outfit before he joined NWA in like the wrecking yeah. crew okay yeah yeah he he used to be a backup dancer but we won't talk about that <laughs> okay <laughs> we, won't, we, we, we won't sit on the memory of Tupac <laughs> right right but you, you saw the interview I showed you he was um yeah yeah he just seemed like a nice kid he he was he was a theater student yeah he just he seemed like a happy-go-lucky 17 year old and then like about three years later he was just fucking dark thug kid well yeah there's a lot of stuff that happened like he went to prison right um he got into it with the cops he got shot like that's an interesting story too but (laughs) all right so we'll get to that but like so but what in regard to suge knight having like uh, basically, like these paid in, like uh, enforcers behind him, but you were also saying that he had like police on a payroll, right? Yeah, so he had cops, some of who were also gang members. <laughs> but basically, the cops he had like his own security detail, but then he also had like the uh, the like the gangsters. Um, so the cops were kind of basically there to keep the gangsters in check because if they got sick of his shit, they could all just gang up on him and fuck him up. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, there's that, and it's like if they if say like the gang members are doing something that's like too loud uh, criminally, um, they it might fuck up the entire organization. So I imagine they were there to kind of like put a check on certain things. Yeah, and the thing with, with cops is if you get into some kind of situation, you want somebody there who can legally shoot somebody, <laughs> <laughs> right, right, and get that away is, with it. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, no, he had a gun. I know that's my gun, but he took it. Yeah, I'm an officer of the law. I'm right. allowed to have this gun, and yeah. I felt threatened. And I was hanging no, with no. my friend, Suge Knight. <laughs> That's right. Now move along. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but when, when things started escalating, this actually prompted um, Bad Boy to get their own gang involved, which was the Southside Crips, which were the, uh, the, the Pyrus rivals, you know, Bloods and Crips, obviously. Right. Um, so a, a lot of this shit actually was gang-related more than it was rapper related but the gangs are basically just these rappers security and it all just kind of got fucked up in the mix things got out of hand rappers were like the um the captains and then you had the gang members who were the soldiers right and the the rappers like you know yeah they're like the generals like they're not really supposed to be out there in the field yeah but unfortunately you had tupac got caught up in the whole lifestyle and he started feeling like he was that guy. <laughs> so he, he like, and, and you know, he was loyal. So I, I do respect that about him, but right. the, the, the problem was he felt like he needed to go and ride for these guys and go and like fight people and shit and beat people up and shit when he wasn't even involved in their shit. <laughs> that, <laughs> so what was it? Was it like a, a, a cred like situation where he's just like, well, if I do this, then like, I'll actually look hard like to these organizations. No, nah, I think he actually believed it. Like, uh, I, I think he got, he did a movie called uh, juice, oh, yeah. like in the, uh, in the early nineties. Yeah. And there was, there was an Instagram post I saw recently. Um, by this executive who worked at one of the labels and he had a meeting with Tupac and um, he remember talking to Tupac and he was like, I don't know what it is about this character. I just can't shake him. 
he's like i he just like got too into character like he started feeling oh, like he was hilarious like he, he was that guy it was like when heath ledger was the joker and then like got so much into the joker that like he overdosed on sleeping pills but tupac just overdosed on being a gangster kind of but i i think it was I think there were benefits that came with it. Like, like that interview I showed you, like, remember he's 17. Right. And he's yeah. like, he, he's not a thug. He's like, no, this, no. he's but, like the soft art student. He's right. like talking about, I respect women. Yeah. But, but remember what he said at the end there, he said like these girls, the girls would tell me I'm too nice. And he's like, and I see these guys and they're beating them up and they're getting all the girls. And I'm like, I'm almost feeling like I should be like one of these guys. So that was just part of like his development almost where it's just like, he saw that he saw how like the way he was acting wasn't working for him. And then he just kind of adopted something that would work for him. Well, yeah, that, and, and I think part of it was his environment too. Cause uh, he, he, Tupac, it was born in New York, which I think some people forget. Yeah. Cause this whole thing turned into an East coast, West coast thing, but Tupac was born in new york and live in new york for a while until he was like i don't know like a teenager maybe 18 somewhere around there okay um he ended up moving to oakland at one point and um got into some shit there and so this is why i say like tupac wasn't a pussy like tupac showed up at some guy's house with like a gun and shit with his vest on ready to go right because they were beefing and shit uh and he shot some cops too who were like harassing somebody and they were like drunk so like he wasn't necessarily a gangster but he would go and like you know protect people and defend shit and like he he had like that little little part of him that would come out but it was right. it was mostly like self-defense purposes so it, it wasn't was like, it wasn't like fully realized as like uh him being a thug it was just uh him seeing situations he thought were unjust and then like kind of him going in and fixing it himself right and some of this comes from his mom you know being a black panther and uh, you know he's got he's got revolutionaries in his family and all that um in fact one of the uh, the conspiracies around tupac um that people are saying he faked his death and um <laughs> he uh moved to cuba actually comes from uh, something like that so wait, what where, where does it come from exactly so oh he, that he's like going there because that's where like some of his family was from yeah, he had. This is a crazy story. Uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna get into all sorts of crazy stories. Yeah. So let's get into this. Okay. So Asada Shakur is a uh, a former member of the Black Liberation Army, and you noticed the last name, same yeah. as Tupac. Right. So she was described as Tupac's godmother. So Asada Shakur was a member of uh, the Black Power Movement. Um, between 1971 and 1973, she was charged with several crimes and was the subject of a multi-state manhunt. So she was arrested after being wounded in a shootout in the New Jersey Turnpike. Also involved in the shootout were New Jersey State Troopers, uh, <laughs> which she shot and some of which she killed. She was charged with murder, attempted murder, armed robbery, bank robbery, and kidnapping in relation to the shootout and six other incidents. She was acquitted on three of the charges and three were dismissed. Uh, in 1977, she was convicted of murder. So here's where it gets even crazier. While serving a life sentence for murder, she escaped from the Clinton Correctional Facility for Women in 1979 
she surfaced in Cuba in 1984, where she was granted political asylum. She still lives in Cuba ever since then. She is on <laughs> the and, FBI's most wanted terror list. <laughs> Her and Tupac are, have, are like just chilling like to this day. Yeah, so that that's where the the rumor comes from that Tupac faked his death and is living in Cuba. But like, okay, my I guess my question would be: Did things get so hot? Like, was was the heat so bad? at the point Tupac got shot and killed in Tupac's own life where he would have like the know-with-all to like go to Cuba and like flee. That I don't know. I, I mean, again, his mom was still around then his mom. I don't know how she involved. She was in the black Panthers at that point, probably not too involved, but this was her friend. So I'm sure they had talked and they had some kind of, escape plan if shit went crazy i'm sure i i wouldn't be surprised yeah um but it wasn't really the, the theory behind chupac escaping was more i guess to get out of i don't know to because people were trying to kill him okay so like that's what i was wondering because like uh, it, i always for some reason i always had it in my head that like there wasn't really anything leading up to tupac getting killed it was just like someone had put a hit out on tupac Tupac then got shot and killed and it wasn't one of those things where Tupac was constantly like looking over his shoulder because like he was uh you know he was in the know that someone wanted him dead hmm. well yeah we got to get into it because there is like so much stuff even I learned about this like it's, okay it, it gets crazy okay so let's start with BMF I think that's a good place to start because that's kind of like the beginning of all this so uh, BMF is a gang in New York and also on the West Coast. Well, maybe not so much on the West Coast. Uh, Detroit, East Coast, and the Midwest. What does this uh, stand for? Black Mafia Family. Oh, okay. So this is probably one of the biggest and most notorious gangs um, as far as like black gangs go. They were like huge in drugs. And um, they, they were heavily involved in rap too. There's like several different rappers that they finance and stuff um i think 50 cents actually working on like a uh, like a tv show about them right now oh, okay that's interesting yeah their indictment they got indicted in 2005 so um yeah it was a bi-coastal drug cartel founded in detroit around 1990 um by the the flannery brothers big meach who's pretty infamous and southwest t so at some point, I guess Puff Daddy, Sean Combs, P. Diddy, whatever you want to call him, the guy who, who started Bad Boy, had ties to these guys. Mm. Uh, apparently, his cousin worked for them, and supposedly some of his like bodyguards also were involved with them. So at some point, they give him money. They give him cash to start Bad Boy Records. So that happens. So Bad Boy Records was funded by the Black Mafia family. Allegedly. Allegedly. Allegedly, of course. We're not snitching on anyone. Allegedly. Allegedly. Yes. <laughs> Very much allegedly. Yeah. So, so basically, according to this, they are also tied to the Crips, which makes sense. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because they were East Side. Yeah. They were. Uh, yeah. So there's definitely at least one big member of them that was tied to the Crips, uh, specifically to 
the Long Beach Crips, which is interesting, the Rolling Twenties, which was, um, I think that's who Snoop was a member of at one point. <clears throat> oh, all right. So it, it, it's funny too because Death Row was like full of Bloods and Crips because huh. like because Suge was Blood, but Snoop and all of them from Long Beach, they they were all Crips. I wonder if that like if there was ever any infighting like within uh, Death Row. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. Totally. <laughs> for sure for sure anyway um okay so we established that now there were also some other folks involved um a gentleman named haitian jack who tupac uh met at a club uh apparently he um met him at the octagon nightclub in uh, new york and um <laughs> in, in 1993 basically so Tupac was working on a movie. I think it, I think it was Above the Rim was the movie he was working on. Okay. I, I, I don't remember the exact movie, but basically whatever the character was, Tupac needed to kind of have a, like a gangster to study. So he sees this guy at this club and he's got like all this money, all these bottles, all these girls. And um, he asked one of his friends to introduce him to this guy. And they say, yeah, this is a uh, Haitian Jack, this guy who apparently had like some family money, but also ended up getting into crime later and was kind of like a big player in New York. Hmm. So they, they introduce him, Tupac and him hanging out and party and everything. Um, Tupac gets introduced to this girl, Ayanna Jackson, who apparently uh, decided to like just blow him right there on the dance floor <laughs> within, within like 30 minutes of meeting them. <laughs> um, so later on um they go back to the hotel and it's him and haitian jack and her and uh, some other guys and um i guess tupac had sex with her and then they had sex with her and she basically didn't agree to that Wait. Uh, okay so wait that's like allegedly that's yeah. uh, another way of saying she was raped right yeah okay yeah yeah now, was, was she just... raped by tupac or was she fine with fucking tupac but she wasn't fine with fucking the others that's the weird thing about it because it's like like he like tupac said that he wasn't in the room when it happened like he left or something and this happened and she was saying that he was there for it and was part of it. Oh. So, yeah. There there's there's conflicting reports, but she said that that he was part of it and he said that he left and they did that to her and he wasn't cool with it and he didn't have anything to do with it and he shouldn't have been gotten blamed for him basically. So, this is interesting because this was a big case that was hanging over his head. And not only that, he started like he was friends with these guys and he was cool with them, but then he started calling them out and saying, Hey, I didn't have anything to do with this. It was these guys. They didn't like that. And these yeah. were big gangster guys. So this is how he ended up getting shot the first time. <laughs> I forgot he's been shot. Like not just this one time when he died, but like multiple times or a couple times at least. Well, yeah, that, that was the crazy thing was, um, when he got shot again, they were, they were like, Oh yeah, he'll be fine. Like, it's like Biggie, Biggie literally said in the interview, he's like, Oh yeah. Tupac's always getting shot or shot Bullets? at. That's not a big deal. He'll be all right. Like, like, yeah, he, he could pull through. He'll be fine. <laughs> uh, apparently Tupac had like this big, like uh chain, like this 
this giant like medallion like this this round thing and um suge was like lying i guess and said oh yeah he just got hit in the medallion he's fine <laughs> he was so lucky yeah meanwhile he died the next day <laughs> yeah so all right so biggie and tupac end up meeting like um i want to say early 90s like somewhere around 91 um because because biggie was signed to uptown records which um was before bad boy it was um like Puffy was still kind of like a, an intern, so he, so he Bad Boy was kind of like this thing he was starting after he left Uptown and he took his artists with him, like Biggie and Mary J. Blige and some other people. Mm. Um, so anyway, Bad Boy starts taking off, starts doing well. Um, he was already pretty successful with Uptown Records, and um, Suge was apparently working as I think Suge was working as a bodyguard for some people. I think that's I think he was like Dr. Dre's bodyguard originally is what happened. I heard uh like DOC talked about how like uh Suge wasn't like his official bodyguard, but he was basically his bodyguard. Right, he was. So uh yeah, so he was he was his bodyguard. So I guess he was he was in the industry, he I think he was bodyguarding for other people and just kind of like I think he was kind of like the guy when you you know you needed some shit done. Yeah, like if you needed someone to stand up and be big, then you we you you turn to Suge. Well, yeah. Interesting thing about Suge was he uh, played football. He, um, I think he said UNLV, which I think was Las Vegas. I yeah, think. That, I think so. I'm pretty sure. He, so he played, he played football, and I, I guess he actually went to the NFL, but he only played like a couple of games. So, like, he's a big guy. Right, right. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. No, Suge Knight was huge, or is huge. Yeah, like like football player big. So yeah. He was, you know, he used to fucking manhandling people, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so anyway, him and um, him and Puffy knew each other from, uh, I guess, his bodyguarding days. He said, like, he, like he, he, in an interview, like recently, he even said, he said, like, me and Shug, like, we're friends. Like, he used to pick me up at the airport. Like, we were cool. Like, he was like, like Puffy said, like, he's like, you know, I was like the, the guy, like I was a young guy and I had money and people would come hang out at my hotel. We shoot dice, we party, drink, you know, living it up. Yeah. So Suge was definitely involved in that scene. And um, I, I guess there was like this kind of like this rivalry that, that, that developed because as Suge got more powerful, he started to want to bully more people and he wanted to take a more real estate. Like he wanted to run everything. Yeah, man. I mean, like, I, I don't know minute details about it, but didn't Suge Knight <laughs> go to, like, that the manager of NWA, Jerry, whatever, like, with, like, a fucking pipe and, like, <laughs> try yeah. to, like, force uh, him to get Dre out of his contract? Uh, yeah, there's been, like, different depictions of it, but I don't know. It, I guess it depends on which version of the story you believe, because yeah. Death Row was started... Um, Let's see. The investors were, it was Suge, it was Dr. Dre, it was DOC, it was this gangster guy named Harry O, who I guess was like a big time player who was like in prison. Um, but also Vanilla Ice. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if you remember the Vanilla Ice story. Uh, no, not really. I mean, like, I, I, I know about Vanilla Ice, but in what, in regard to Death Row? So I don't know if Suge was like managing people or what he was doing. I think he, he, I think he was like a manager at one point after he was like, he was still bodyguarding. He was kind of managing people. Okay. So yeah. So the, the Jerry Heller thing happened. 
Um, I don't know what point it happened at, but according to like the real story, supposedly they said he just went into the office and just kind of intimidated him, threatened him. He didn't, he didn't really beat him up or anything or throw him in a car trunk. Like some people were saying, right. Um, and easy. didn't get beat up or anything. People, that was a story that was in the movie, which didn't happen. Mm. Um, cause easy son was like, yeah, easy was a, easy was a crip. Like right. he was like, if that shit had happened, it would have been like, probably gotten shot yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah. Easy was like about that. Lot. Like easy was known for being from the streets. Yeah. Easy wasn't fucking around. He he'd fuck people up. Right. Um. But the Vanilla Ice story, which Vanilla Ice told, was that Suge showed up. Um. First, Suge showed up like while he was eating breakfast or something at a hotel or some shit, and just sat down and just like stared at him and said hi, <laughs> like, <laughs> like super intimidating. <laughs> like, super. But then he said he he like showed up to his hotel room and, and like hung him by his ankles off a balcony <laughs> wow yeah i guess Shug was managing some producer guy and i don't know if the producer didn't get credit for producing ice ice baby or what it was or if he just decided he was gonna take credit so Shug was it. just there because he didn't feel like he got like financially uh <laughs> like he, he wasn't paid basically Shug's strategy was basically just intimidating and beating the shit out of people to get them to give him money. Which is like a great strategy. <laughs> yeah. Well, Cause yeah, it works. Cause, yeah, because everybody in the fucking entertainment industry is a big pussy. Yeah. They were, they were like record executives he had threatened that were scared for yeah. years. Yeah, and then like, because even if like almost none of the stories about him are true, the stories about him are out there. So if you're just hearing these things about Suge Knight, like how he beat the shit out of Jerry Heller with a piper and threw him in a trunk or how he like hung vanilla ice by his ankles over a balcony, you're going to be scared of him because you don't know what's true and not true. And that's hilarious too, because vanilla ice was the one that actually told that story. And then later he said it wasn't true. So I, sometimes I wonder if some of these stories are made up by Suge to like further his own legend. Oh, uh, maybe. I mean, I could see it for sure. And like, it, that's that's probably part of his business plan where he's just like, I'll just like put out like these seeds of uh, disinformation that like get into people's heads about like who, what kind of person I am. And then like, it will be in my advantage uh, from a business standpoint. Well, yeah, there there's multiple examples I found of him lying about shit that was like crazy. Allegedly, like, of course. Yeah, well, exactly, allegedly. <laughs> But, but like especially the Tupac stuff like like he was one of the ones that was actually propagating these conspiracy theories about Tupac still being alive oh I see uh, to sell records of course oh yeah oh yeah absolutely and like especially because didn't Tupac like really or have or not him himself but didn't uh, songs by Tupac get released post humanously or whatever the fuck like after he died I think there were more Tupac songs that came out after he died than there were while he was still alive. So of course he's going to be like, oh yeah, Tupac, he might be still alive. Cause it's just like, okay, maybe he didn't record these songs while he was quote unquote alive. Maybe he's still alive and he's still a recording artist. There is video of Suge Knight saying he's probably in Cuba somewhere. That's hilarious. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, like, you know, it's not true. You saw him die and you're like <laughs> sitting there. <laughs> fucking propagating that shit but yeah shig was not a dumb guy yeah at all he's very cunning very cunning yeah so, yeah oh, for so, sure. it sounds like it so yeah so he got his money basically from uh from gangsters 
and from intimidating people. And that's how they started Death Row. Um, they got Dre out of his deal with Easy through Jerry. Jerry signed off. Apparently, Easy didn't sign off. So, so that line where he's saying Dre's day made Easy's payday. Apparently, Easy was still getting paid. They they had a I don't know if it was Interscope Records or who, but apparently I don't know if there was like a deal that was made after the fact. More than likely. So that wasn't bullshit. No, I'm assuming at some point like Interscope Records actually said, okay, we gotta like make an actual deal here so Drake can actually put out an album because fucking beating the shit out of people isn't gonna work. Because right. <laughs> cause they can just come back and sue us. Right. Oh yeah, for sure. Like Yeah, that's one thing that's interesting to me is that like if if like even a half or a quarter of the stories are true about Suge Knight like just being the shit out of people to like get his way, you would think that he would just be like fucking drowning in uh like suits. <laughs> oh yeah, he he definitely had like cases. I don't know. I remember a lot of lawsuits too, actually, but I don't know how many of them actually went to trial and how many of them he settled. He he was kind of notorious for paying people off, so right. He definitely made a shitload of money off of Tupac. Just, like Tupac was the only thing keeping that label afloat. Uh, once Dre and Snoop left, mm. and Tupac, you know, didn't have any so, say over it. Did Dre and Snoop leave to form Aftermath? Uh, Snoop was actually never signed to Aftermath. Snoop oh. was signed to No Limit after he left, mm. and then I think he kind of had his own label. But he kind of. So uh, apparently they were talking about this in an interview. I guess part of their falling out was that um, there was an incident where Snoop had to go for murder trial where um, he was with his bodyguard and something happened and um, some guy ended up getting shot over it and Snoop was on murder charges because he was like there. Oh. So they, they wanted to bring Dre in as like a character witness for Snoop and uh, Dre didn't want anything to do with it. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> so that kind of like put a big wedge between them. Mm. Especially because I think Dre was already thinking about leaving uh, Death Row at that point. Because the environment was just like ridiculous. Like people were just getting the shit beat out of them all the time for no reason. Right. And I think Dre said the, tr- the, the, the last straw was when he saw an, an engineer get beat down for, like, not rewinding a song or something. <laughs> like, 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 some stupid shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and Dre, re- allegedly, Dre really has a, a problem with violence. <laughs> son of a bitch. Well, I think, I think it was just like, like, I can't work like this. Like, yeah. people are just constantly in fear for their life for no reason like like people are just like like suge is just being theatrical and like running around with this pit bull and having this big red carpet and you know making everything super intimidating and theatrical just for for show and it's like people are just getting their asses beat every two seconds for like nothing (laughs) like 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 how the fuck am i supposed to make an album like this yeah right like yeah well, well, what line would like dre would probably be like you know what line do is it that i would have to cross for this to happen to me of course yeah well yeah. well because because I, I things were happening all around him too like um there was a story with uh i think it was warren g who's dre's like you know um half brother 
Okay. I think at one point something had happened to him. I think, I think they had like taken it. Somebody had taken his chain or something. Some shit had happened to Warren G at one point. It was like, like, dude. Um, and there, there was a special phone they had um, for Harry O, who, who we talked about, who's one of the investors. Um, it was only for him to call Shug, and they would have whole conversations and stuff. So he was calling Shug from prison, probably collect, <laughs> like, and uh, like guys would just be on the phone and. Um, I think his accountant or something called him and said, Hey, you got like an $8,000 phone bill here. Like this is ridiculous. <laughs> like, so I guess one of Dre's guys, one of Dre's producers or one of his guys was like on the phone and should comes over and tells him, Hey, like get off the phone. You're not allowed to use that phone. And, um, I think he was part of the world crash wrecking crew, which is like Dre's like, you know, original group. Right. And he's like, Hey man, I'm, I'm like a guest of uh, Dre. You go talk to him if you have a problem. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> wrong thing to say <laughs> and, and how about you like, talk to my pipe <laughs> yeah 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 so sig is like no i run this shit you talk to me like get the fuck off the phone he's like hey man leave me alone i'm not i'm not he's like okay <laughs> so he sig leaves goes downstairs gets his gun out of his car jesus <laughs> pulls, pulls it out dude <laughs> and um, shoots it like right past his ear. Jesus! <laughs> Tells the fucking guy to to strip his clothes off. <laughs> um, and I I think I think he ended up getting like the shit beat. <laughs> like like this kind of shit was yeah. just happening daily. So well, then yeah. it kind of makes me wonder. Like maybe the stories aren't all that made up <laughs> about Trick Knight. Like you hear things like that. <laughs> Oh, of course. Yeah, no, I mean, there, there's definitely crazy Some... shit that happened. <clears throat> but it's like, if you're one of Dre's homies and he's doing this to you, like, then... Oh, yeah. What the uh, fuck? Yeah, you're you're thinking, like, oh, yeah, I, you know, well, what's to stop him from doing this to me? Like, we're... Right. Like, they're not really friends. Yeah, they're, not, they're just... They're mostly business associates. Yeah. And that's why when he got off of death row, he just said, like, hey, I don't want anything. Just let me out of my deal. I don't want the masters i don't want pay i don't want anything just just get me the fuck out of here <laughs> and i mean he's right he's like you know i've been like like he, he was confident in himself he felt like he can go and you know do some shit oh yeah off. for sure yeah i mean like everyone would want to work with dre like he he had no issues uh moving forward yeah well, and there was also the problem too with the reputation that came with death row like people wouldn't want to work with you yeah uh banks probably wouldn't want to you know give you loans and shit like the insurance companies wouldn't want to insure you. I'm sure like there's all sorts of like, like you're fucking up the money. Yeah. Yeah. <clears> like, just cause you're a violent fucking like animal. Well, yeah. Cause at some point it's like, okay, you, you kind of established your reputation. You can t- you can tone it down a little bit, but I think what happened was he just got so full of himself. He started believing his own shit. Yeah. Like, you're like, Hey, I'm sure cause, cause the guy would even say, uh, the mom James would say like, anytime, like these gang dudes would get pissed off at Shook, he would just be like, Hey, go into the office. I got something for you. And he just give him some money. Dang. Like he just give him like a grand or two grand or something. Like, you know, yeah. You just bribe him basically. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So anyway, um, all right. So there was, there was actually an incident that happened between, uh, Suge and Puffy, um, before this. Okay. So, Shug Knight's uh, bodyguard, he gets killed. Uh, okay, so th- there's actually something before this. So, uh, 
so at the Source Awards, uh, August 3rd, 1995, th- this was a pretty big deal when it happened. So Shugnai gets on stage, and I think he was accepting an award or just talking. I'm not really sure what was behind it. But he gets on stage, and he does this whole speech. And he's like, hey, all you guys on the East Coast that are sick of your producers, all in the video, dancing, you come to death row. <laughs> <laughs> Now so he's basically poaching like uh like bad boy artists. Yeah, he he was. I don't know if he was doing it yet or not, but um supposedly Jodeci and Mary J. Blige were trying to go to death row mm. at one point. I don't know if this was before or after that. But Suge definitely saw Puffy as like the other big dog, and he felt like he had to kind of like either take his spot or make him his bitch. Right. Kind of rein him in a little bit. Yeah, because they were they were kind of like each other's counterparts. Like Suge was the head of Death Row, Puffy was the head of Bad Boy. So West Coast, East Coast, they were like the biggest power players because the South wasn't really big in rap yet. So Which is, it's funny to me because like if you if you if you just look at like surface reputations, like Suge Knight's reputation against like Puffy's reputation is like night and day. Ah, I see what you did there. <laughs> well. And that's funny because that's what it looks like. But the digger you deep, the more you see that they're not that different, but they just have different tactics. Well, it seems like Puffy was like kind of a crazy violent dude, but it was like more, it was understated as opposed to like, like he wasn't like yelling about it like Suge was. Right. He, he understood business. Again, Suge was not a businessman. Suge was just a fucking bully. Suge was Suge's strategy was basically I'm gonna do whatever the fuck I want. I'm gonna bully people till I get my way. Yeah. <clears throat> but again, Puffy came up as an intern, so he learned the music business in and out mm. as like a young dude, like probably like fresh out of high school. So by the time he was like, you know, in his twenties, he was already like an OG in the game. Like he knew how this shit works, so he knew not to fuck up the money. Yeah. So he was. He was trying not to fuck up the money. In, in fact, th- this is a, a great example of him trying not to fuck up the money because cause so after this happens, these awards were in New York. So he's, he's shook his out there talking all this shit in New York. <laughs> like basically like, hey, I, I'm a man. Like, you know, I could do this in, in your city. Yeah. So everybody's looking at Puffy like, what do you want us to do? Like, again, at this point, he had like, like some big gangsters on his side on his payroll he had he had like you know he had the fucking gangs on him yeah so they were like you want us to do something to this again because again keep in mind his gang was was like you know crip affiliated and these are the bloods so they're already looking for a reason sure so he's he um he they're at a club later and i guess it's like an after party and he he go he goes up to him and he says like hey were you talking about me like what's going on and, and suge says um no i was talking about jermaine dupree okay <laughs> now, now there's some funny history there too because uh jermaine dupree was uh head of so so deaf which um had a little bow wow okay and he was and relatively new at that point well, I don't know if you know Lil Bow Wow's history, but he was actually part of Death Row at one point. Oh, huh. Because um, he was like a kid and he was like trying to rap and he was like super young. 
and I guess I guess it was like a concert or something basically like Snoop found him and like had him rap on stage and like was like oh shit this kid's got some skill we need mm. we need to like get him like in the studio he's actually on a uh, doggy style he does one of those skits where they're talking to the kids uh-huh. where he's like I want to be a motherfucking gangster oh yeah <laughs> yeah like that's him huh uh, so so I guess Snoop was kind of like we we kind of got to like keep this kid away from this environment yeah so he he referred him to uh like Jermaine Dupree which was probably the best thing that, that could have happened for him but I don't know I, Suge might have been a little salty about that because you know you know how he he doesn't it, it, everything seems personal with him like it's all right. everything's everything's like an insult to his manhood yeah it was okay yeah so there's that and it's also just like Oh, you took like one of someone who was going to be like a business venture of mine. Like you took someone from me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this is August of 95. Fast forward to September of 95 in Atlanta. And um, there, there's a run in with these two guys again with, um, with Suge and Puffy. And uh, Puffy's bodyguard wolf ends up sh- shooting and killing uh suge's bodyguard who uh, apparently wasn't just his bodyguard it was like one of his close friends uh, so he, apparently he had hired him like right out of prison to do like um like marketing and promotion so he was like he wasn't just like his bodyguard he was kind of like there he was like trying to put him on and help him out because he yeah. just got out of prison so it seemed like ever since then he wanted to fuck him up yeah like it was like i'm gonna fuck you up any possible way i can after that like 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 this is deeper than just like a rivalry it'd be one of those things where like if diddy wasn't as like connected as he was like he would have been dead like that night oh for sure yeah definitely so I, i think that's really where it all actually started like i don't like the biggie and tupac thing was just something that happened later because okay so biggie and tupac like become friends um tupac i i think tupac is signed to interscope at this point and uh he's had like a few albums out at that point and um they put out biggie's song uh, party and bullshit on like a soundtrack or something and however tupac heard it and tupac turned into like a big fan and uh he was working on his movie and he was playing it on the set the whole time. And uh, I guess apparently at some point, they he decided he wanted to meet him. So they meet up, you know, they click, they kick it off immediately. Uh, they start working on music together. They start hanging out, partying together, all that shit. So they're, they're friends. They're good friends. You know, Tupac would pull up to the hood in his fucking limo and start playing craps and shit with you know, <laughs> Biggie and his homies. Like all sorts of crazy stories and shit. So they're good. And... Um, you know, fast forward to Tupac showing up with these guys, Haitian Jack and uh, Jimmy Henchman. And he's hanging out with these guys at the club and uh, Biggie ends up at the club and he's like, Hey, like, are you hanging out with these guys? Like these guys are like notorious, like New York gangsters. <laughs> yeah. And Tupac's like, yeah, yeah, man, these guys are cool, man. Like the, you know, I need, I need these guys. I need to shadow them for uh, this movie I'm doing. And uh, you know, they're doing like big stuff. Like they're hanging out with Madonna and shit now. And you know, they're not like small time thugs. Like they're cool now. And Biggie's like, you know, I don't think you should be hanging out with these guys. He's like, ah, oh, that's cool. Don't worry about it. Like, we'll be good. 
<laughs> if Biggie is saying that these people are too dangerous, maybe listen to him. Because it's not like Biggie had like this uh, past of like being a pussy. Like he used to sell crack and shit like that. Yeah. Well, probably, yeah. Plus, I mean, I mean, he's from New York, so you would think you know, you know what's going on, right? Um, and funny enough, uh, Mike Tyson apparently warned Tupac about these guys too. These <laughs> guys are dangerous. Well, Mike Tyson was a street guy too. Like yeah. before, he was a boxer. He used to rob people. He was like a stick-up kid. He was. <laughs> going to the club to rob people like like people go to the club to dance mike tyson would go to the club to fucking rob you like like oh you got your chain on okay <laughs> okay that's was mine that, now was, was that while he was training or was that was that before that even i think it was before like i i'm sure it stopped when he got some money but yeah he was connected with some gang in fact um mike tyson one of mike tyson's best friends was the guy who actually shot 50 cent oh dang yeah, he was involved um, in some gang shit too and actually um, put a bounty, I think it was like $50,000 on the guy's head who uh, killed his friend. And then they actually put a hit out on Mike Tyson. And for whatever reason, it ended up not happening. But uh, <laughs> well, It turns out a bunch of our uh, gang members were found brutally beaten to death. <laughs> <laughs> but... But but 50 Cent was actually kind of the reason I, I heard about some of this stuff was because he was friends with one of the, the BMF guys uh, named King Tut, who was also supposedly one of the guys that uh, had met with Puffy um, to help him with the label, like early on. Um, so th- there's a whole, there's all sorts of like gang ties with all these guys. It's crazy mm-hmm. if you go deep enough. But anyway, so... So Tupac starts hanging out with these guys and everything's cool until all of a sudden this girl says like Tupac raped me. Right. Tupac says, I didn't do it. These guys did it. I had nothing to do with it. So, um, Haitian Jack gets in contact with, uh, Jimmy Henchman who I guess was, I think was friends with Puffy. I don't know if he was friends with Biggie or not, but Jimmy Henchman is friends with Haitian Jack and, um, they're at quad studios, right? Mm-hmm. So the story goes that Biggie, Puffy, and um, Jimmy Henchman are upstairs at, at the top of Quad Studios. Um, Tupac was recording a song with somebody, and then he gets a call to uh, come to Quad Studios to record uh, with this artist for uh, for them. Um, I think I forget who called him. I think it was Jimmy that called him. So Tupac shows up and. Um, he sees like all these guys in um in camo and he's like he he, he kind of doesn't know at first but then he figures they're like biggies like security could like camouflage is like a brooklyn thing like dudes wearing camouflage okay um and tupac is with his like a few of his friends um this guy named stretch and um i think another guy or two but basically they uh these these camel guys pull out guns and it's like, you know, get the fuck on the floor. So at this point, are the Brooklyn guys in uh, California or is Tupac recording in New York? Uh, that's a good question. I think they're in New York. I'm pretty sure they're in New York. Oh, okay. Yeah, because the DJ he was recording the song for was Ron C, which I'm pretty sure is a Brooklyn DJ. 
or mm-hmm. New York DJ. Well, again, Tupac was from New York and he still had family and friends um, in New York. And he made like, he would shoot movies in New York. Um, in fact, his, his rap group, the outlaws are all from New Jersey. And um, so there's like, a, I think he had a couple of family members in there. I think his like stepbrother was in there. So it's always interesting to me how they, they make it like this East Coast, West Coast thing, but um, it really wasn't that. Right. It was all it was all kind of mixed together. It wasn't like really one side versus the other. Yeah. I mean, Tupac's rap name used to be MC New York. Like he was all about New York. Like it's about as, Yeah, it's about as New York as it gets. Yeah. All right. So this is 1984. So this is an article from Double XL called Pit of Snakes. And um, the guy named De- Dexter Isaac says Jimmy Henchman paid him to rob Tupac in Quad Studios in 1994. Okay, so uh, so someone was paid to rob Tupac in 1994. Yeah. So, okay. So Jimmy Henchman was um, working his way up the music industry. He was living in Brooklyn, and he was managing Lil Sean, a young rapper signed to Uptown Records, right? Okay. So he met Tupac through uh, Haitian Jack, who we talked about earlier. Um, Tupac was in New York filming Above the Rim, in which he uh, played a gangster named Birdie, a character people believe he uh, modeled on Haitian Jack, right? Mm -hmm. So this this is kind of why they're hanging out all the time. So... (laughs) <laughs> Haitian Jack and Jimmy Hedgen are both known in the music industry for robbery and extortion. So they were like, they were like New York Shig Knight, basically. Okay. Uh, there's actually supposed to be a movie based on Haitian Jack, apparently. <laughs> they were working on it at some point, but uh, anyway, so so they so he, okay, so yeah, Haitian Jack introduced Tupac to uh, Jimmy Hedgen and and to King Tut. So while in New York, uh, Tupac was spending a lot of time with Biggie. And uh, Biggie warned him. He warned him about the new company he was keeping, which he talked about. Um, so Tupac, yeah, so okay. So Tupac's friendship with Haitian Jack came to an end after the two men were arrested and charged with sexually assaulting 19-year-old Ayanna Jackson in a Manhattan hotel room in November 1983. Uh, the cases were tried separately, and in uh, November 1984, Tupac spoke about Haitian Jack to the Daily News and not in flattering terms. So uh, they believe the incident at Quad Studios came as a punishment. A message was being sent, not the name drop. So is it possible that like the 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 actual hit on Tupac is like derives from this? I don't think so, because because uh, I too think much time passed or what? Well, I think part of the reason he he had rolled started rolling with death row was also to protect himself from guys like this because uh, these guys were kind of affiliated with the uh, bad boy. Cause, cause if you look at it, Jimmy Henchman was the one that um, put the hit out on him to rob him. Mm-hmm. And he was hanging out with Puffy and them. So it, it seems like it was more, it seemed like the death row thing was basically to protect himself and to, um, to, to basically give him that room to feel like he could do whatever the fuck he wanted while at the same time after as he wanted to go after these guys, but he couldn't do it without, you know, people backing him up. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. So Jimmy Hedgman even said the same. He said in a 2005 interview, he had a conversation he had with Tupac 
And he said he told him, he said, nobody came to rob you. He said, they came to discipline you. That's what happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's such a shitty thing to say to someone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, okay. So, so Jimmy Hedron was one that, that uh, the paged him to come and do the song. So, let's see. Okay. So, he was going to pay Tupac 7000 for the verse. Um, Tupac needed the money because his shows were getting canceled because of the rape trial. And his uh, record royalties were all going towards the lawyer. So he was he was kind of desperate for money at that point. Damn, so he, dude. $7,000 for 16 bars. Right? <laughs> that's so crazy. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's still, I mean, even back then, that was probably, that was probably even better money back then. Yeah. I mean, it would still be decent, like, now. Shit. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so the DJ he was with, he said he felt uncomfortable before he left because, like, they were blowing up his pager they had pagers at the time yeah right um so he went to quad anyway he went with his uh his friend randy uh walker also known as stretch so stretch was also a rapper um and he had two other friends with him so he entered the building and he uh he spotted junior mafia's little c's which is uh biggie's like homie also i think his they said it's biggie's cousin Mm. um so he was waving up at him from a balcony up at the top floor and the c's told him that biggie's upstairs so Tupac's like, oh, okay, a Biggie's here. That's cool. So he's like, that calmed his nerves. So he, he was going up to the elevator. Uh, he said before he made it to the elevator, he saw three men who suspiciously he thought didn't look up at him. One was reading a newspaper. Two were dressed in military fatigues, a sign he took to mean they were from Brooklyn. Okay. Biggie's security, he guessed. So as he pressed for the elevator, the two men in fatigues came up from behind him with guns drawn told everyone to lie down and demanded that Tupac turn over his jewelry. Tupac told Vibe he was surprised when the men didn't go after Walker, um, who was physically the largest man. So, so they didn't go after Stretch, even though he was like the biggest dude there. Um, it's widely assumed Tupac was talking about Stretch when he uh, rhymed on ambitions as a writer that uh, people set him up. <laughs> Uh, in 1995, a year to the day after the robbery, Stretch was shot and killed in Queens. Damn. Hmm. So, so is there a conspiracy that Tupac set that up? I imagine. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's almost so, not a conspiracy. Some might say some allegedly. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, allegedly. And arrest a dead man. Well, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so so they told him to get down. Tupac refused, and he began shooting. So it said five bullets hit him. He was beaten and stomped when he was on the floor. After his assailants had relieved him of his jewelry and fled, he got to his feet and got into the elevator. I mean, this shit sounds like it's straight out of a movie right so, here. So wait, wait, wait. Tupac was shot five times and then was robbed. And that, so that's what they're saying? Yeah, they beat him, they stomped him, they, they shot him. Where the fuck did they shoot him five times or Tupac's just standing up and like walking into the elevator? <laughs> well, we'll get into that in a second because okay. this, is, this is an interesting conspiracy theory too. <laughs> <laughs> He's not human. <laughs> well, let's talk about this. Okay. So, so after they, they left, he got to his feet and got in the elevator. <laughs> Bleeding and dazed, he got up at this... He got up to the studio where he discovered a group of men, including Biggie, Puffy, Sean, and Jimmy Hedgeman. 
They seemed stunned to see him, he told Vibe, which made him think they'd expected him to die. Mm. He asked someone to roll him a blunt and call his girlfriend and ask <sighs> that she call his mother to tell her about the attack. Jesus Christ. It better have been like his arms or something. Like, that sounds insane. Like, if he's like, if he's got a bunch of like bullets like in his chest or like near his organs, like that seems a little suspicious. Mm-hmm. So police got there. Um, there was a conspiracy that the cops that got there were the same ones that arrested him after, after his rape case, which uh, they said was not true because mm. supposedly that was a cold conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was taken to the hospital. His wounds were determined not to be life-threatening. Okay. Um, fearing for his life because he had a uh, fruit of Islam guards assigned to him and they were not carrying weapons. He checked himself out of the hospital and went to recuperate in the apartment of his old friend, actress, Jasmine guy. So, you know, you know, when they say friend, you know, right, right. There was something romantic about his stories, said the, uh, the reporter who called the rapper conflicted and paranoid. It made him look like a dramatic hero. <laughs> uh, days later, still heavily bandaged, Tupac rolled into Manhattan courtroom in a wheelchair to hear the verdict in his sexual assault case. Um, he was acquitted on multiple sodomy charges, but was found guilty on several counts of sexual abuse. Uh, in uh, February 95, he received a sentence of 18 months to four and a half years in prison. Haitian Jack was able to plead down to two misdemeanor charges and avoided jail time. Mm. Damn. Yeah, I, I could see why he'd be kind of pissed off about that. Yeah. Um, so he went to prison in New York, uh, Clinton Correctional Facility, and he did not get a lot of visitors. And... Um, I guess Suge saw an opportunity there because Tupac's bail was 1.4 million. Um, now I'm trying to remember how they have it set up, but I, I think you have to put up like 10%, something like that. Which oh, is it like a payment plan sort of thing? I think you just have to put up like 10% and then if they skip bail, then like the, you know the the bounty hunters or whatever and all that shit they they mm. get paid okay but if he's doing versus for seven thousand there's no way he has like ten percent would be like what one hundred forty thousand or something like that yeah some, some, some ridiculous like that like <laughs> something yeah. he did not have <laughs> right. for sure so he was kind of caught in a rock in a hard place where he kind of shug was the only one who was going to bail him out so he was fucked so he had to sign <laughs> and at the same time shug sees the opportunity the enemy of my enemy is my friend. It'd be funny if like Suge Knight orchestrated all of this, like every bit of this, like where he's just like, okay, now you're going to accuse and tell the police that Tupac raped you. And then we're going to send him to prison and I'm going to bail him out. And then he's going to have to be under my wing. <laughs> now we're getting a whole nother conspiracy. I haven't heard that one yet. <laughs> I just made it up. So I, hope, I hope it's true. <laughs> New conspiracy alert, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we have a new conspiracy. <laughs> so th- this was something I didn't even realize before was that this is premeditated by Suge. Like, like, like he knew Tupac hated these guys. He had visited him and had multiple conversations with him. I'm sure he talked to him about this. So he hated Puffy. He knew Tupac hated Puffy. Uh, I, I told you this before. I, I, he seems like he saw Tupac as like the cannon. He could aim at bad boy. Right. 
like like i want to take these guys out but i don't rap but you could do it for me and this then this is in the days where if somebody diss you it could fuck up your whole career like like now it's not like that but there were like people whose whole fucking career still haven't recovered to this day because like jay-z dissed them or some shit (laughs) Like, yeah okay that makes sense because then they're, they're kind of looked at as like punk bitches yeah i mean have you seen the hit em up video i don't think so i mean i've heard the song but i haven't seen the video i don't think it just man like, <laughs> like it's it's considered the best diss song of all time for a reason the, the yeah, video yeah. is the div the video is crazy like just, <laughs> he called he called, is, he called is, is it the same level of like having like fake Easy E and the? Yes, yeah. There's a fake Biggie. He calls him Piggy. That's amazing. There, man. <laughs> it's just so disrespectful. So I mean, he's like, I fucked your wife. Like, <laughs> man. That's awesome. <laughs> like, and I, I'm like the biggest Biggie fan. So to me, yeah, it was yeah. like, man. Yeah. I don't know. Biggie didn't seem like he he was involved in this, but. I don't know. I don't really know what really happened. It was probably one of those things where he was just, you know, anyone who's in Bad Boy, he was just like pointing a gun at. Right. Well, because he felt like they were there, so they had to know something about it. Mm-hmm. But also, I don't know what happened behind the scenes. I don't know if if Puffy or somebody told Biggie like, "Hey, don't talk to Tupac anymore." Mm. Like because. Because like like it said here, like he didn't get a lot of visitors, and Biggie didn't visit him, so he was like, people were like, he would be like, he was listening to the radio, and he's like, people were giving me shoutouts and shit, and he would like hit them up, and they wouldn't talk to him. Huh. He was like, he he felt like Biggie was like trying to steal his spot, basically. Well, uh, in regard to that, I mean, I also heard, and like I never really thought about it. I never really thought about like the beat production, I guess, on like the later Biggie stuff, but like. There was a lot of people saying that like the uh, Biggie was basically trying to take over the West Coast uh, sound beat wise on like his later albums and like kind of bring it over to New York. And so I wonder if that was also part of it where he's just like he's trying to get like all of the appeal that Tupac has. Well, yeah, I mean, not even not even on his later albums. Uh, if you listen to Ready to Die, it sounds like two different albums because mm. the songs were recorded over the course of like i think a couple years and there's there's like the, the hardcore underground songs that sound like party and bullshit yeah but then you got juicy you got big pop uh, oh yeah for sure yeah you, you got like all these songs um yeah where like, it's more about like uh it, it's kind of like a, a softer appeal as opposed to like something that's like more hardcore that you would hear in new york yeah, and, and if you listen to to Biggie's voice, his whole delivery changed. Yeah, because he was he wasn't used to being in the studio. He he was used to being on stage, rapping like on the corner, like with like a, you know like a fucking karaoke mic and shit. Right. Like you had to be loud. Like you had to like if you listen to his old stuff and some of the stuff on Ready to Die, he's like yelling into the mic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But then if you listen to Big Papa, the yeah, delivery is completely smooth. yeah, it's completely yeah. and and that. And if you listen to his songs after that, like Life After Death, it's all like that. He's not yelling at all anymore. Yeah. He completely changed his delivery. So that was part of it. Uh, Puffy said he was inspired by The Chronic a lot, too, for like the production on that. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. And The Chronic, I mean, that's that basically shaped the West Coast. Yeah. And there were there was an interesting conversation that I saw with, um, with Q-Tip 
because um, Q-Tip said, what do you say? Q-Tip said that um, the the Tribe Called Quest, I think like their first album or their second album, he um, he told uh, Dr. Dre, he was like, yeah, we were um, really inspired by um, NWA. Mm. And Dre was like, that's crazy because I was inspired to do The Chronic by Tribe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, damn. And Q-Tip too. Q-Tip uh, produced a lot on Mob Deep's first album. So like, Well, and like, if... I, I can't remember what A Tribe Called Quest's like, second album sounds like beat-wise, but like, if, if their main influence was from the second NWA album, that actually would make a lot of sense because that second album is super G-Funk in some ways. Yeah, it was definitely sounding a lot more like um, like some later stuff Dre was doing, like with pianos and yeah. stuff. Yeah, and like that weird, like kind of that weird synthesizer sound. Yeah, I I like it a lot in some ways more than Straight Outta Compton. Yeah, beat wise, I think production wise, I like it better. Yeah, I think I think production wise is better, but Straight Outta Compton is kind of like a better album overall. Yeah, I think so too. But there was definitely like a lot of. A lot of, I guess, cross coast inspiration. T- Tupac actually called out Biggie at, at one point, and he said, "Like I had to." He said, "I he had to change his whole album because Biggie's shit was like copying him." Basically, <laughs> he he felt like Biggie had studied him and basically took his style and ran with it. And now that he was out of the way, he was going to take his spot. Mm. And you know, combine that with the fact that he's hanging out with the guy that put the fucking hit on him. That's such a fucking egotistical way of looking at it, though. Because, like, even if Biggie was, like, taking, like, Tupac's style or something, he's in his in Tupac's mind, he's like, oh, this means that, like, I'm going to become old news and, tu- and Biggie's going to be uh, the new sound and then I'm going to go away, where it's like, no, you probably both will exist. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, th- things happen when somebody, like, you know, tries to rob you. But... <laughs> right. <laughs> There was an interesting thing about that too, where um, they said Biggie, or they—I mean—they they said Tupac actually didn't get shot. Mm. Oh, okay. So, th- so the shooting, him getting shot five times in itself, is a conspiracy. Yes, um, which supposedly has been corroborated by people. They have you seen Eight Mile? Yeah. You remember Cheddar Bob? Not really. Eminem's friend, Cheddar Bob. It's been a while. Cheddar Bob is known for shooting himself. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, not like killing himself. He's been known to like shoot himself to like... He shot himself by accident. Okay. Oh, okay. So... Yeah. Tupac Cheddar Bobbed himself. (laughs) Okay. So do you think it was one of those things though where it was like, I want to get pressed as if I, I got shot? Like someone came in and shot me, and like that'd be the story. Uh, no, the, what? It was just he was playing with the gun and shot himself on accident. He pulled his gun out during the robbery and apparently shot himself. That's hilarious. <laughs> in the groin. Oh fuck! And then, because they said he got shot in the head a couple times, which. I don't know how the fuck that makes sense, but uh, like they, it, uh, it's it's hard to say because it's like some people have gotten shot in the head without getting like brain damage and lived, but it's like you would think that it would have to be a graze or you would have some like s- skull issues. 
yeah, like Shug Knight got grazed when when Tupac got shot. But yeah, we'll get into that. But they they were saying because he his head was bandaged up, so either he got hit with a ricochet from his own gun, mm. or his head was busted up from them beating him his ass. Yeah, that that might that might make more sense. Like I think they might have pistol whipped him. Maybe I don't yeah. know. But yeah, so basically. <laughs> <laughs> the conspiracy is that Tupac actually didn't get shot and shot himself. That's hilarious. And supposedly this was actually corroborated. So, yeah. Well, it would make more sense if he accidentally shot himself, say, once, and then, like, limped into an elevator and then went and like, was like, well, go roll me a blunt while I, like, put pressure on this and tell my mom I got shot. Right, yeah. But... I don't know. I don't. I don't know if he he was trying to make himself look like more like a tough guy, or what he was doing. Yeah. Well, it, I imagine he was probably like, well, you know, this is how Suge Knight gets like certain press. I'll just kind of exaggerate on what happened, and then people are gonna think that I got shot five times and lived, and I'm gonna sell more records because of it, which probably did happen. Yeah. Well, the other thing. The other theory was that he was doing it for court to look more sympathetic when he, you uh, know, goes to court in a wheelchair and shit, all bandaged <laughs> up. Like, hey, feel sorry for me. It's like when Weinstein like had like the fucking uh, walker. <laughs> yeah, it's open a neck brace. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, yeah, it could have, it could have been both. It could have been one or the other. But um, yeah, so supposedly he, he didn't actually even get shot. So. <laughs> Damn. So. Oh, okay. I, there was a, there was actually another part to this. Uh, Biggie put out a song called "Who Shot Ya." <laughs> are you are you familiar with this song? Uh, I've, I'm sure I've heard it. I can't uh, pinpoint it. Yeah, that, that supposedly the song was actually out before this happened, but Tupac took it as an indirect diss to him. That's hilarious. So that combined with everything else, he just felt like he was being mocked at that point. But he's in prison. He can't do shit about it. Dexter Isaac, this guy who said uh, he was one of the shooters in the uh, in the the, the shooting, um, said Jimmy Henchman actually paid a two box friend stretch twenty five hundred dollars to uh, set up the attack. So he said he was in cahoots and was giving us the play by play. He was in communication with Jimmy and who had promised him a quarter brick of cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> So and this happened the day before the verdict for the uh, the the sexual assault case was uh, going to be happening. So yeah, so that's just like man. coincidental. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. So yeah, so who shot you drops? Um, so Shug bails Tupac out. Um, again, this shooting happened in '94. So. The Source Awards thing happens in um, 95. Uh, the the whole, uh, whatchamacallit, the whole fucking shooting thing happens in 95 as well. So Tupac, Tupac was in prison for a while, and he was still putting out music too. Mm. So this was like November. So yeah, so Tupac was locked up for a while, and then I guess at some point, Suge, des- Suge decides to go bail him out. Um, possibly because of the uh, the whole shooting thing with uh, where his bodyguard got shot. 
Um, so yeah, so he bails him out. So then Tupac puts out, hit him up, and just starts, you know, dissing the shit out of Biggie. <laughs> <laughs> like, puts out a whole fucking album, you know, all eyes on me. Yeah, it sells like, I think like quadruple or five times platinum, something crazy like that. The, mm. um, just, just goes crazy. Just the, the music comes out. It's, it's crazy. It's huge. And it wasn't All Eyes on Me a double album? All Eyes on Me was a double album, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, but it came out when he was alive. Uh, Life After Death, which is Biggie's double album, which actually came out after, right after he died, yeah. even though it was going to be coming out. So I, I'm sure if All Eyes on Me had come out after Tupac had died, it probably would have been even bigger. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. So... Yeah, that, that's probably part of the reason why Biggie's is bigger than the Tupac because his double album came out after he died. And Tupac, mm-hmm. Tupac did have some double albums that came out like right out, like after he died, but it was like like a year or two after, so it wasn't like right then. So yeah, it was a little bit different. But I'm sure if yeah, I'm sure because Tupac did have an album that came out right after he died, uh, which was the the Seven Day Theory, and that I don't know what it sold, but it was pretty big too. Um, which is actually part of the. Um, part of the conspiracies around him is came from that album so let me see okay so so we established all this uh they're they're dissing each other uh there's some new york rappers that get involved basically to back up biggie and because whatever they're that there is like an east coast west coast rivalry where like people feel like you know if you're from this coast you're like a better rapper or whatever yeah like west coast rappers kind of weren't as lyrical and right yeah it was more production uh and less like yeah lyric based uh, and actually i honestly i feel that's true well yeah but but again tupac was from new york so tupac was like tupac was like an east coast rapper that had kind of developed into the west coast style that yeah. he like he was just as good as like people consider him like the best rapper oh lyric yeah if we're talking like just tupac tupac lyrically is better uh lyrically than most any rapper alive or dead yeah, but he's For considered sure. a West Coast rapper, even though he's from the East Coast. So yeah, and that's just because like he cemented himself with within that group, like on the West Coast. Right. Exactly. So, so that's always an interesting dynamic for me. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Okay, so I'm trying to think where we should go with this because we talk. We got to talk about the gangs. Okay. So yeah. So the the blood gangs were in uh, death row. And there were all sorts of like incidents happening and all sorts of shit happening. So at one point, the um, they get into it at the mall, um, at the Lakewood Mall, which isn't too far from where I live. Funny enough, hmm. um, so so Bad Boy had hired these the Southside Crips, which was basically the, the rivals of the uh, the the Pyru Bloods, and they were both in Compton, so they were like like right there. So basically they had to decide like, Hey, these are the rivals and we're going to hire them to protect ourselves since they got these guys backing them up. So, so Biggie and Puffy security was, <laughs> was the fucking Crips basically, <laughs> especially when they went out to LA and shit, which they did end up going out to LA. But, um, so what happens is there's an incident where, um, some of the sugar bloods run into this, these Crip guys and there, there was a rumor that there was a, a bounty out on death row chains. 
there there was supposedly Puffy was shooting a music video and he had put like a ten thousand dollar bounty on the death row medallions. So anybody that could snatch a death row chain <laughs> would he would pay them ten thousand dollars. And I want to- my scalps. <laughs> yeah, because uh, apparently though that this wasn't actually true. Like nobody can actually confirm it. It was just like a rumor that was out there. Because uh, it it didn't even make any sense. Like logisticalized. Like what are they gonna mail it to him in New York? Like it, it <laughs> like it didn't really make any sense. Yeah. But the word was out on the street, and these guys were looking for death row chains to snatch. So as soon as these Crips run into these guys, these bloods at the Lakewood Mall, they have this whole fight that breaks out, and they try to snatch this guy's chain. Um, there's a guy named Orlando Anderson that's involved in this, and um, people think he's the one that killed Tupac. Mm. So this is kind of where it starts. So there's this incident. Um, Death Row guys end up keeping their chain. They go back, you know, they tell their, their friends what happened and everything like that. Oh, well, things kind of escalate a little bit more. Um, so fast forward to September 96, Tupac and, um, and Suge and the whole entourage are out in Las Vegas uh, for a Mike Tyson fight. Because <clears throat> uh, Tupac had become friends with Mike Tyson. Mm-hmm. And um, I think he actually ended up doing his, his theme song for, for the fight. Oh. I forget who he was fighting. Um, but apparently Mike Tyson knocked him the fuck out pretty quick. <laughs> so, so that fight didn't last very long, so they were done. Uh, Tupac was still like pretty hyped up and shit. And um, they're going through the lobby of the uh, MGM, and wouldn't you know it, they see Orlando Anderson. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, one of the guys says something to, to Tupac or somebody and says, hey, that's the guy that uh, tried to snatch my chain. So Tupac, on his own, goes running off on the guy, <laughs> starts beating the shit out of Orlando. Uh, and, of course, all of his guys jump in, start beating the shit. This is actually on camera. There's like a security camera footage of it. And they're just like stomping the shit out of this guy, just beating his ass. And uh, Suge jumps in and starts stomping him. They're all, you know, beating him up. And then they, they run off or whatever. And, um, you know, Tupac security, like, bodyguard after that, he's like, like, what are you doing, dude? You're like, you can't be doing that shit. <laughs> yeah, especially on camera. Yeah. Well, Suge actually um, was on parole at the time or probation. <laughs> and once they saw him, stomping him he, they, they violated him he he ended up going to prison mm. so at the time biggie i killed suge was actually locked up okay so this is a little bit off topic but like so when suge knight got arrested a couple to few years ago that was his second strike then suge knight got arrested for murder he's gone oh that's right <laughs> i forgot about that he, he like did he run someone over on the set of straight out compton yeah, he said he had, like, glaucoma in one eye. Because um, the guy he ran over, I think, was one of their mutual friends. Like, I don't think it was anybody he meant to hurt. Oh. Um, but but Suge shows up. At this point, all the blood dudes had kind of left him. He was kind of, like, hiring, like, the young dudes. And they weren't really, like, as 
solidified and about that life as the older dudes because the older dudes had stopped fucking with him because because he didn't give a shit about them and like they would die he didn't go to their funerals <laughs> like like they would lose friends over this Shook would do sneak shit behind their back. He would, uh, every time he go to prison, he told them to fucking return all the cars. They couldn't ride in the cars or anything. Like, take all the shit back. So they they, they finally realized he was on some bullshit and, uh, and dipped out. Probably the money dried up too, I think, was part of it too. Because Death Row ended up going bankrupt at one point because he, um, he didn't show up to fucking court. He, he fucking lost on default. Uh, like... <laughs> He fucking defaulted, bro. <laughs> like, how do you lose your whole record label to a default judgment? Like, yeah. wow. Yeah, it's almost like you didn't give a shit. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. So he shows up to the set of Straight Out of Compton thinking he can uh, still do his bully shook thing. Like, <laughs> I want to fucking do what I want. So he shows up thinking, like, hey, you guys are uh, using my image without my permission. You guys are putting me in this movie having this guy play me and you don't have my permission and he thinks he's gonna extort you know dre for like a million dollars or some shit it's hilarious um anyway the guys there weren't going for it suge i think was by himself um at some point he i don't know if he was in his car or he was getting his car or what happened but this guy this guy there starts fighting suge and start beating the shit out of him <laughs> suge gets freaked out and um, one of the other guys was like trying to, you know, break it up and tell Shook, hey, hold on, get out, and we'll like talk about this. And Shook backs into over him and like runs him over and kills him. Now Shook said it, it was like a vision thing, like he he had glaucoma. I don't know, maybe it's true because I think he was like, I think they were like a mutual friend. Like he was like one of the OG guys like in the gang. Uh -huh. So I don't think he would have done that on purpose, but who the fuck knows? Yeah, but. But right now he's, I don't know if he's actually doing life or not. I think he might be able to get out, but it's going to be a while. Yeah. But he's pretty much done. So that's just like, a, that's like a sad ending for Sugar Bear. But, <laughs> it's almost, it's kind of a just ending too. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. He, he, like he, he had so many chances to turn it around. Like it, it kind of reminds me of when like OJ got like arrested for like stealing memorabilia. It's like, you didn't get arrested for that. <laughs> Right. You got arrested for killing your wife and her boyfriend or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Like that's yeah. what they were getting you for. But but it's not like Shug couldn't have turned this around. Like he, he was just too greedy. Like he I don't know, whatever like you could psychoanalyze him, but there's like something in him that's like missing that's like he's getting out of doing all this shit. Yeah. Like he's like gotta be fifty years old by now. Like what oh, are you doing, sure. dude? Like you yeah. can retire, chill, relax. Like Yeah. Like like you've made more money than anybody and you fucking blew it. Like what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. Like for what? For like Yeah, and now what? you now you might get out when you're like seventy five or something if you make it that long. Yeah, like what's your legacy at this point? Like, bro. Yeah. Like it, it's all fucking ashes. Like what the fuck? Yeah. Uh so anyway, what were we talking about for this? Uh we were talking about uh oh, oh sure, the fight. Right? Yeah, the fight, right, at the mall. Yeah, okay. So so anyway, so fast forward, uh they're in Vegas for the Tyson fight. Um, so they stomp out Orlando Anderson. Um Tupac goes up to his hotel room and um you know talks to his girlfriend who um at the time is Quincy Jones's daughter, uh Kidada. Mm. And uh they have like a little quick conversation. The, the, this is at least from the show. I, I don't know if this actually happened, but 
Uh, they have a little quick conversation, and um, Tupac at the last minute decides he's going to switch cars. He was going to he was going to ride in her car with his bodyguard, but he decides he's got he wants to ride with Suge in Suge's car. Um, I don't I don't know if he felt like more safe with Suge or what the reasoning behind that was. I guess he felt like Suge actually like was one of the few people that really had his back. Mm. Because one of the guys in the, one of the interviews said like, like Suge held Tupac down. Like he'd always wanted like a big homie to hold him down. Like he felt like he was like being loyal to him. Like nobody had ever been to him. (laughs) Okay. Now it seems like Suge was full of shit, but to Tupac, it, it seemed like he was really had his best interest. Um, I question that though because the reports are that Tupac died without really having any money. Like, really? I think he had like forty thousand dollars to his name or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what kind of label deal he had, but it sounded like he was getting fucked. Mm. But he was kind of in a bad spot to where nobody else was going to get him out of prison. Because <sighs> nobody, because like you know, his shows had dried up. No, he was kind of people didn't really want to touch him. That that might have been another reason why. Like Biggie and them didn't really want to, you know, associate with him. Yeah. So he was like in a bad spot. Should bailed him out, but like the like the shit that he had, like the cars, the houses, like all like all that shit was probably belonged death row. Yeah. Like I'm assuming the same shit that happened to, to all the security guards where he said, like, hey, take all the shit back <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like that's that like tupac probably didn't actually own anything <laughs> yeah it's like no one who like supposedly uh bought like a house or a car or something ever like wrote their name on anything it was all suge knight i wouldn't be surprised yeah. I, I would not be surprised and there there's a lot of fucked up label deals like that too like like your label will uh, throw a release party for you and bill you for it like you have <laughs> to recoup that like they'll buy you a car but you have to that comes out of your budget yeah, that's uh it sounds like um when record labels give you an advance as an artist. Like yeah. people are like, Oh, we got this money. It's like, no, you got a loan. Right, exactly. Like you have to pay all that back mm-hmm. and you're the last one to get paid after everybody else. Yeah. So it, i mean, record deals were probably I don't know if they were worse back then or better than they are now, but there were a lot of people getting fucked. And basically from what from what the guys at Death Row were saying about how stingy Shug was, it seemed like he was probably fucking his artists over too. <laughs> yeah. If he was fucking these dudes over. So, you know, he got away with a lot of shit because he could bully people. So anyway, um, Tupac decides he's going to ride with Shug in Shug's car. Um, they they rolled down the, uh, the street. Uh, the bodyguard said uh, Shug wanted to roll down uh, Flamingo Avenue which I guess is like a big uh, street in Vegas because he wanted to show off. He wanted people to see them. So um, car pulls up. A uh, guy takes a picture of Tupac and uh, Suge, which is kind of like a famous picture now. It's like the last picture they took because it was like right before this happened. Mm-hmm. Um, these girls pull up to the side, to the left side of, of the car and start saying, oh my God, you're Tupac. Mm-hmm. And then car pulls up on the right side opens fire damn um tupac gets shot uh, several times should gets shot in the head but he gets grazed he was driving 
Oh, okay. So it, so the idea, though, is that the hit wasn't just for Tupac. It was for both Tupac and Suge. There is a theory that Suge was the actual target. Uh, and then Tupac was just the one who got the brunt of it. However, I haven't really seen anything to back up that theory. Yeah. I mean, but if you think about it, Tupac or uh, Suge has much more reason to get shot at and have a hit on him than Tupac. <sighs> yeah, but he also seems like more of like an untouchable guy than Tupac. Yeah. Yeah, it could be one of those things too where it was a way of trying to hurt Suge, like his business, where you know you kill Tupac, that's like a huge revenue stream that's like out of uh, Suge's pocket. Yeah, there there was a few theories about who killed Tupac, and one of them was actually that Suge killed him. Oh, and then like he just accidentally got hit like with something. Yeah, but the problem with that theory is they did like a reenactment. Yeah. On the you know the way that the shooting happened and where the bullets went, and it was just so random. Like they were like, the fact that Suge didn't get hit was just pure coincidence. Luck. Yeah. Because Suge, because Tupac was kind of short too, so like Tupac pretty much took all the bullets. Right. And Suge got Suge got hit in the head because he was a little bit taller. Yeah. So he got grazed. Um. So he drives Tupac to uh the hospital. And, and and there's a cop there that pulls out a gun on Shook <laughs> because he thinks he's involved in this uh-huh. while they're trying to save Tupac. Uh, and the cop starts asking Tupac, who shot you? Who shot you? Yeah, yeah. And uh, apparently this actually did happen. And Tupac's answer is, uh, fuck you. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, it, but it's also like fuck the cop because it's like just can, you can't wait. You can't just you can't wait to see if he like pulls out of this like to ask him that question. He's not gonna have a clear <laughs> head about shit. Yeah, exactly. So Suge is a piece of shit, but yeah. like an even bigger piece of shit than I thought. Because after this happens, he goes and lies about it. What does he say? So he was opening a club. Um, like a sports betting club or something um, called Club 662. Okay. Which, um, if you look on your phone, 662 spells out mob, <laughs> which uh, was the name of the gang, the, the mob. It was actually something Tupac got tattooed on him, too. He said mob, money over bitches is what he said, but it was like the mob was the name of the gang, the, the bloods. Mm. So, you know, Tupac was... Uh, Tupac wasn't actually in the gang, but he wasn't around them and they felt like he was one of them. So, so they were cool with him getting the tattoo. Okay. Um, so Suge shows up because they were actually heading to uh, like a party. I think it was like an, I don't know if it was like a grand opening party or just like a, a celebration. Um, but you know, if Tupac died, of course that shit's going to be canceled. Yeah. So he shows up. And tells everybody, oh, two bucks, fine. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh, yeah, he's wearing this medallion. and uh, No, no, he's bullet... fast asleep. <laughs> yeah, the bullet hits the medallion. He's going to be fine. <laughs> Tupac dies the next day. Jesus. Yeah, but um, he got to have his fucking party. <laughs> no, all 30 bullets hit the medallion. <laughs> they were all caught. 
I mean, it was a big medallion, but it was that fucking big. <laughs> right, yeah. It wasn't going to hold like 10 bullets or however many bullets hit him. Yeah, so just incredible, like, man. The whole, the whole story, like, this is only part of the story, too. Like, we're not even, we're not even done yet. But just... Should we have this as two parts? Um, no, I think the second part's going to be shorter. Okay. I think we've only been doing this, what, since 11? Yeah, it's, it's only been like hour 40. Yeah, we're good. Yeah. I think we're good. I think we could wrap this up in under three. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. So let's see. Okay. So at this point, Biggie is, um, you know, hears about this and um, gets pretty freaked out. Um, but f- for some reason, still feels comfortable coming to LA. Hmm. So, Biggie had actually been in a, in a car accident um, at one point because Biggie Biggie didn't drive like some people from New York. Um, like New York, uh, you know, they don't really drive there. As right? Much. Yeah, yeah. They take like the subway stuff. Transportation. Yeah. So he would have his cousin Little C's like drive him everywhere, and um, at one point, I don't know what the fuck he was doing, but he fucking crashed the car with both of them in it, and Biggie, um, I think his leg got broken or something. So he's walking with a cane for a while. You'll you'll see some of his like videos and stuff. He's got the cane. Yeah, he's walking around with like a pimp cane. I always thought it's because he was fat, <laughs> <laughs> like he was hitting knee problems or something. I think that was actually the reason he got fat was like when he was a kid, he broke his leg or something happened, and he was he was stuck in bed for a while. And he was just eating because mm. because he was like skinny before that. So that was like interesting. Hmm. But anyway, um, so Biggie's working on his second album, uh, Life After Death. Um, he decides that he wants to kind of like end the beef. So he starts working with, uh, you know, West coast, uh, rappers. Um, he gets like too short on his album and, um, I think he was going to be working with E40 and, um, you know, he's, he tries to reach out to the West coast people. Um, cause Biggie liked the West coast. Like he, he, he was a fan. He even did a song called, uh, going back to Cali. Oh yeah, that's right. That was like, you know, basically, like, hey, I don't have problems with California. Just like me and this guy had problems. Right. So I, th- I think part of the reason he felt comfortable, too, was because they had the, the Crips, like, you know, as their security. They, they felt like they had the uh, the backing to, uh, you know, back them up if some shit went wrong. And and he was kind of going out there, like, to be a peacemaker, try to be like, you know, like, like hey, we got to, like, end this. Like, you know, stop the violence before anything else happens. Yeah. Um. Plus, he, he was friends with, like, Snoop, and um, he even gave, like, Snoop a shout-out and uh, some of the other guys. Uh, in fact, Snoop actually fell out with Tupac because he was friends with Big E. Oh, uh, huh. That, that was, a, that, that was a, a, like, an infamous story that he's been telling for a while where um, he, uh, what was it? He, he, I think he said something on the radio where he was cool. He said he was cool with Big E. And, um, after that, it was like super awkward on the flight, and he thought he was gonna get jumped on the flight. Mm. So he like sat in the back with like a a knife and a fork, <laughs> just like waiting to stab somebody if they jumped him. I told Biggie to give me his favorite tools for protection. He gave me a knife and fork. Terrible. Um, so anyway, so, so after that, Tupac wouldn't talk to him and they fell out and, um, 
supposedly Snoop was actually supposed to be in the car with them, but because of that falling out, he wasn't. So mm. that's crazy. And also, Dre had left Death Row. Dre could have been there too at that point. Who yeah. the fuck knows? It could have been Suge, Dre, Snoop, <sighs> Tupac, Dude. all in a car. Like I, this, just I don't think I ever thought about this, but like the idea of like a a Dre and Biggie album sounds so awesome. <laughs> Dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. For Unfortunate. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Biggie was a fan of Dre. Um, he did like a freestyle where he was rapping over like Death Row beats at one point. Because mm. because Tupac was dissing the shit out of him, but he never replied really. He yeah. just felt like he he didn't want to feed into it. That's what he said. Mm. So, so basically, they go out to LA for almost like an album release. I guess is what it, I guess you could call it. Uh, there's a party, and um, so they're they're at the party, and basically they leave the party, and they kind of have like a caravan, and. Um, yeah, same shit. Like, car pulls up and just opens fire. And this this happens like six months later. So Tupac died September 96. Biggie died March of 97. Damn. And up until... Up until, I think, 2006, like, there was... There was nothing. Like, like people wouldn't talk to the cops about it. That's the problem about solving these kinds of murders because it's just there's too they're like they're like the mafia in that in that regard where it's just like you know they're not gonna snitch on anyone is even if like it means that they have to face jail time. Right, exactly. So there were a few conspiracy theories about this. Let's see if we can get into those. Okay. So okay, so Tupac's album uh, came out seven day theory after he died. So uh, it wasn't actually released under Tupac. It was released under Machiavelli. Okay, right. And um, Machiavelli had a book called The Prince. And one of the strategies in there supposedly was to fake your death to confuse your enemy. Yeah, and like what's interesting is because I listened to All Eyes on Me recently. um, And like there's a lot of instances where like Tupac and I know like Biggie also talked about his own death, but like Tupac was talking about like uh, what happens to him after death or like when he dies. And then he also uh, references to himself as Machiavelli. So it's kind of, it's kind of interesting. It's kind of, it, I see why there's conspiracy theories about it. Yeah. And there were a lot of conspiracy theories about Tupac and who actually killed him or whether he was actually dead or not. Right. <laughs> and some of these were actually spread by Suge for publicity reasons, I'm assuming. Yeah. Cause when Tupac died, that was like it. Cause Dre had left. Snoop, I think, had left or was gonna leave. Yeah. I think Snoop stayed for a little while after, but not that much longer. And, um, yeah, I mean, after they left, he didn't really have anybody. So the only thing he had was uh, Tupac albums to put out. And he made a shitload of money off of Tupac. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. So to me, it was like, like, this is promotion for the albums because Tupac can't, can't promote these albums. He's dead. Yeah. 
and I mean, the fan base was, you know, rabid. Like, Tupac fans will still fuck you up to this day. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, and it makes sense, like, that, like, that's why um, Suge would lean so hard into, like, saying, like, oh, maybe he's not dead. Maybe he's in Cuba. Maybe that's why we have all these new albums coming out. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I've been going to Cuba and recording albums with Tupac. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... So the album is called The Seven Day Theory um, because supposedly he recorded it in seven days. Mm. Like Tupac was so good that he had like vaults, like albums full of yeah, music. He was like uh, Frank Zappa and like Prince in that regard where they just had like all these fucking albums and like, you know, just just in case like we, you know, it's like a, a kind of like a. A safe, uh, or uh, what do you, what would you call it? A fucking safe keepings kind of thing, where it's like, if I ever run out of money, I got all this shit. And some of it seemed like it was maybe recorded specifically in case he died. Just if you listen to the stuff in the albums. <laughs> yeah, I I remember the Chappelle uh, sketch where it, it was just like detailing like all this shit, like. <laughs> the song was written a long time ago <laughs> back in 94 <laughs> it's just totally that shit was funny and um there was actually the, okay so the theory started that should killed tupac um i think part of it was because the intro of the seven day theory there's like a like this bell ringing and you hear a voice and people were saying, it sounds like he's saying, Suge shot me. Hmm. Is it, is I, 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 I can't, I don't know if I've heard, I'm not the biggest Tupac fan. Like, I like Tupac, but um, I, I don't, I know I haven't heard everything. I don't know if I've heard that album, but is it one of those things where it's like, you know how like they say, like, oh, if we played this song backwards, you, it's a message about Satan or something like that. Is it like, is it like so vague to where it could be anything? I think they do, I think they did do some some backmasking on some of his songs and stuff. Um, but it, it turned out it was a sample from a Daft Punk song that was made way before. <laughs> yeah. So no, it wasn't Tupac saying Shook Shop. It was just like <laughs> some random guy saying something on the street. <laughs> so the, plus to, to me, that theory doesn't really make sense because like, why, why would Suge uh, release it? Yeah, well, that and if Suge was behind, like, the the level of precision you would have to have to, like, not get killed. Like, the fact that he didn't get shot was just, like, a, a miracle. Now, now, but is it because he's a genius? And he, let's just say my theory is right, where he did set up this whole sexual assault thing on Tupac just so he could get him to sign to death row and have him under his wing because, like, Tupac owed him. Maybe like he's just that smart where he's just like, all right, I need you to hit me in the head, but it needs to be like very precise. You think he was playing the long game for like four years? Maybe I don't know. Maybe he's like uh, Wilson Fisk, kingpin, kingpin level of brilliant. I mean, he does kind of look like him. Yeah, I know. I don't know, man. I don't know. I I guess it, <laughs> it. It just seems a little too risky. Like, what if I accidentally get shot? Yeah, I mean, you know. Suge Knight's a risky guy. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll put a pin in that for now. Okay. <laughs> that's a possibility. <laughs> we'll say that's a possibility. Okay. Uh, okay. There was also 
I think there was a photo that came out of, of him dying or him after like an autopsy photo or something. Um, let's see. So yeah, so the Machiavelli thing, they were saying that was a hint. He planned to fake his death. Uh, then there was the Cuba theory that he faked his death. Um, also, because Tupac was kind of broke at the time he died, yeah, there was a theory that he was trying to get out of his record deal and he was going to be putting out music under Machiavelli so he could get out of it. Oh, that's, that's smart. That would be smart. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. That doesn't really make sense to me because it doesn't make sense, but maybe. It depends, I guess, because, well, yeah, that is weird. Because, like, for instance, I have a music licensing deal, and, like, but I'm under, like, a specific name, like, my stage name, but I, but when I sign things, I sign my real name. So it, maybe that wouldn't make sense. I think people would realize it was Tupac putting out music. I don't know. Oh, well, there's that, yeah. But, I mean, like, legally speaking... I still think it wouldn't make sense. Yeah, exactly. Uh, now there was there was a theory also that Biggie was involved in killing Tupac. There was um, there was like this ridiculous article that ran that um, said Biggie gave them the gun. That, that Biggie was in Las Vegas and he gave them the gun to kill Tupac with. Why the f- okay, well, it's like like why would he have to? Like why would Biggie have to be the one who supplied the weapons to kill Tupac? That doesn't even make sense. It, it was so important to him to be there, but, <laughs> but to not actually be there, he 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 went and flew all the way from New York to <laughs> to Las Vegas yeah. to hand him the gun and then left. There's no record of this. Yeah, that's that's um that's. That's even stupider than like my theories. <laughs> this was actually like a legit article that was published, I think, in the, the LA Times or something, or mm. in some magazine. Um, some prison informant said this, and then it turned out he was full of shit. Yeah, <laughs> that's real stupid. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if that theory was originally part of it, or if that, I think that was something that happened later. Yeah, now, I mean, that's yeah, that's not very well thought out. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, so so everything I've seen uh, points to Orlando Anderson being uh, the killer. So um and in actually yeah, that would kind of make sense because Orlando at least has like a legitimate um mo- like motivation to like kill both of them. Well, to kill Tupac for sure. Well, but also to kill Suge because Suge didn't he? He got in on like kicking the shit out of him too. He did. <clears throat> I mean, Tupac was the fuse for sure, but I think like it's one of those things where he's just like, "Hey, if Suge's there too, you know, I'll fucking try to kill him too." Maybe. So. So th- there was something that came out about this. Um, uh, there was a guy named Keefe D who is Orlando's uncle. That's basically the one that pretty much like blew the lid off of this on. Um, I forget if he was, I, I forget what he was on, but he, he talked about it on Vlad TV mm. and um, he basically corroborated all this because after the investigation uh, was over and the lawsuit happened, then uh, they went back into the cases and leaned on these people and basically just found whatever they could find on them like i think they leaned on him for like a huge amount of um pcp or something he was selling Mm. and other drugs and they said hey 
we'll give you this deal. Basically, nothing that you say can be used against you, but you need to tell us what happened and we'll let you off on all these charges. And apparently everybody else that was in the car died because it wasn't just um, them. I think there were like four people in the car. So Orlando ended up getting killed later um, due to like a drug dispute. We could talk about that if you want. Sure. Um, so it was Keefe D. This other guy who ended up dying, I guess, from health reasons. I think he was like overweight and had some health issues. And then another guy died uh, with some gang shit. Um, Orlando actually, I guess, was drunk. And him and his friend were at, I forget, like some some burger place or something. And they saw a guy that owed like his uncle money or something. <laughs> and it, funny enough, I think the guy was actually like a crip too. So it wasn't even like a rival gang thing. Mm. And he rolls up on the guy and says, hey, you know, you, you owe money. And I guess the guy's homies came up and were like, hey, man, what are you doing? Like, why are you pressing this dude? And uh, Orlando pulls out his gun and shoots like a couple of the dudes. And then they shoot him. And then the other dude goes and gets his gun and starts shooting and then runs away. And the cops show up and catch him and shit was over. I think this was like in 97. So it was like a little bit later. So they they couldn't even question Orlando after that because he was dead. So, so at the time, I think people had a conspiracy theory that Orlando was killed because of Tupac, which ended up not being the case. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, I, I get where they're coming from. I get why they would think that. Well, well, Mob James said that they were definitely looking for him because they knew. It, they said it was like the worst kept secret. Like they, they knew he he did it, but he wasn't just hanging out on the block like where you could get him. Right. He was like, you know, if if you roll by and you don't see him, you're not going to keep hanging around because then somebody's going to start shooting at you because they know what you're doing. So it's kind of one of those things where it's just like, uh, from a standpoint of the law, you can't, you couldn't have gotten Orlando. Plus, he's dead. And then, uh, but it's one of those things where it's just like everyone knows. Everyone knows who did it. Everyone knows uh, that he had the motivation to do it. And it's just, it's not, it's not an actual secret. The only reason why it's not being presented like that in like a case of laws because like there's no actual evidence. Right. And I mean, if, if there was one of these guys that was friends with Suge, like even though Tupac wasn't actually part of the gang, they, they felt responsible. They like, like he died on our watch. Like yeah. it makes us look bad. Like, like you could just punk us out like that, Wh- which I think is part of the reason they went after Biggie. Cause it's like, Oh, well, you know, tit for tat. You take one yeah. of ours, we take one of yours. Like, yeah. like we can't get Orlando. Yeah, we can get Biggie. You're basically killing like the king of LA, and then it's like, okay, let's kill the king of New York. Yeah, and I mean, it's fair, I guess. Yeah, in a way, it, in a crazy way, because yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure people felt a type of way about it, like, like you know, you're out here in LA, like rubbing our noses in it. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, it's 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 mafia shit. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like, for real. Yeah. yeah. Dead ass. So, so, so Keefe D Orlando's uncle uh, basically confesses and tells the, the, the cops what really happened um, because there was a, a conspiracy theory as, as to who killed Biggie. Okay. So the, so the Biggie conspiracy theory was Biggie was killed by Suge and the cops by Suge 
and the Bloods, or Biggie was killed by the Crips. <laughs> because apparently Keefe had been at Big's table that night of the that he died to talk to him. Um and they were thinking it was like some kind of money dispute thing. Hmm. Which I don't think it ended up being true because I can't imagine like why like you know <laughs> like no, they it, like like they had the money. They weren't like Bad Boy didn't really seem to do things the way Death Row did. Like they didn't they you know. Yeah. They they weren't all about intimidation and all that shit. They were like they they, they seemed to kind of like not want the problems. Like they were like they wanted to keep the problems away. <laughs> right yeah they were they were in it more for like music business as opposed to like any sort of credibility yeah it seemed like they just had like people around them just for protection like it wasn't like but but then there was like people saying that puffy actually had put the hit out on tupac or suge as a way of like self-preservation just because he felt like they were gonna go after him hmm yeah, like, and and honestly, yeah, I could see at some point like Shook figuring out a way where like he's like, okay, if I if I take out Puffy in like these steps, it's not going to be linked to me, and then me and Death Row will be fine. Yeah, and, and it's crazy because uh, the Tupac thing it gets linked back to Puffy, but from what everybody said, it's basically just like a gang dispute, like. Yeah, like Tupac stomped out this guy. The dude felt disrespected because Tupac wasn't even in the gang. Right. Like, like I think it. They were saying like, it probably would have been different if if it was like just the gang dudes. How how much time had passed between uh, Tupac like kicking the shit out of this guy and then Tupac getting shot and killed? It was like that same night. So it was. It like, was the same night. Yeah, it was like. Oh. I thought time had passed or some shit. So it was one of those things where Orlando is getting the shit kicked out of him at a mall. And then later that night, he's like, you know what? Nah. <laughs> then he just goes and like shoots up Tupac. No, no, no. The, the mall thing was a separate thing. The mall was, the, the mall had happened before. The, 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 when Tupac actually met him, it was at the MGM. That's when he got stomped out. He stomped him out at the MGM. They fought at the mall before, but Tupac wasn't there. Oh, so there was... Oh, okay, okay, okay. So Tupac wasn't at the mall. The, the time when Tupac did fuck up Orlando, it was at the MGM, and then that same night, uh, Tupac gets shot. At least I don't think Tupac was at the mall. If he did, he didn't run into Orlando before that because cause they oh, had to point him out. So then why did uh, Suge and like whoever else like kick the shit out of Orlando at the mall? They didn't. No, no, no. What it was was Orlando and his homies saw the death row guys and went on to snatch their chains. Oh, that's right. Because they were working for Bad Boy because they were Southside Crips. And supposedly Puffy had the bounty out where if you snatch the chain, you get (laughs) 10,000. So crazy. So it's like, hey, fuck these guys anyway. Yeah. Like, it's like, fuck them because they're bloods. Fuck them because we're riding with Puffy and they're riding with Shook. Mm-hmm. And also fuck them because we can get some money off a of statue of their chain. Yeah. It's like triple fuck you. <laughs> like okay. okay. Now now it's more clear in my mind. I, I thought it was a, a different situation. Yeah, so that was at the Lakewood Mall. That was in California. Oh. So then they run into the same guy in Vegas. I'm not sure why he was there, but maybe he was 
there with some of his high roller homies or something. I don't know. Um, so yeah, so, th- so they saw Orlando there again at the MGM and one of Tupac's guys, one of the gang dudes point said to Tupac, like, Hey, that's the guy that tried to snatch our chain. Like Tupac didn't know who this guy was. Uh, he just knew that he did some shit that was disrespectful. So he went and stomped him out. Right. So he, and they didn't need to involve him in that. They could have kept him out of that. Suge should have kept him out of that. I don't know why he would let him do that. Like, yeah. like, like this is this is your like your money maker. Like, yeah. why are you gonna let him get involved in some gang shit? Like, it it just makes me feel like Suge thought he was so untouchable at that point. Probably, yeah. And it, yeah, and Orlando went and they shot Tupac. Not over any fucking bad boy death row shit just over some fucking disrespect shit like like that doesn't happen if tupac doesn't stomp out orlando yeah yeah that's crazy Uh, like because he because mob james was saying like like can you imagine like if you, you have to go back to california and everybody knows you got stomped out by tupac it's like that butterfly effect bullshit where it's just yeah, it's, this one event it's one thing like it's one thing if it's like like you know another gang rolls up on you but you got stomped out by tupac like what <laughs> right like right. a rapper yeah yeah you you got beat up by an artist yeah like <laughs> well yeah I, I i think he couldn't just he couldn't live that down like that's yeah. that's disrespect like this guy's not even this guy's not even like a gang member who the fuck is this guy who, who the fuck does he think he is that's so like funny because because orlando was like about that life yeah yeah so he probably took it like super disrespectful so who is Orlando in the the grand scheme of the of things? He's the guy who shot Tupac. No, no, no. I know, but like, so he's <laughs> just a gang member. Yeah, he was a gang member. Okay. He was just he was. I think he was he was kind of like a younger guy, but I think he was. I think he was pretty. I don't know if his uncle was high up or something like that, but he seemed to be like in all the right spots. Okay, and so, but he was also like on like Puffy's payroll in a sense. I don't know. I know his uncle was for sure. So mm. probably because I'm imagining they were out there in Vegas together. So he probably was. He probably was. And that's probably why he was trying to snatch their chain. I wouldn't want to be Diddy in that at that time. Because <laughs> I oh, imagine yeah. he's thinking like, oh, fuck. Now everyone probably thinks I'm the one who put this out there. And it's like, because that's just the, like an obvious thing. Like, oh, yeah. Act. Yeah. And, and it's so like funny to me that it wasn't even that it wasn't even that puff said hey go shoot tupac it was over this shit like yeah yeah over a fucking chain yeah so like, and there, but and there was there's no one who was there who was a witness who like would ever say anything about it about what like like the people who saw tupac getting shot like who, no who, oh, oh no okay so no. i mean like that's so crazy to me. You would think that there'd at least be like someone who wasn't even affiliated with anyone, like who was just on the streets who saw this go down and maybe saw Orlando's face or something. I mean, depending on like, I, don't uh, know. I think they had like tinted windows, but but this mm-hmm. is this is where one of the conspiracies comes in because they're like, like the cops were there, the cops were working for death row. Yeah, the cops had to have been in the area that they they pulled up like not too far after they were watching Tupac probably. How how did these guys get away? How did nobody see anything? How 
when you have this crowded area because the fight, how does the car get away? Yeah. That that's when Russell Poole started thinking like, what if the police were involved in all this and like we're covering it up, or or we're the ones that actually put out the hit. That's why I think it's so funny that if that was, let's just say, for argument's sake, that's true. I think it's so funny and like satirical almost that the cops like, who did this? Who shot you, Tupac? <laughs> He's just like you, <laughs> fuck you, dude. <laughs> like, like you, what do you mean? Yeah, yeah. Still got the gun. We're gonna catch the guy, Tupac. <laughs> You mark my words. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, I think what it comes down to is the the Orlando and the Crips shot Tupac, and then Suge killed Biggie in retaliation. Yeah, I, I could believe it. Yeah. So, I I think that's the that's what they ended up coming up with at the end of the day. Mm. After. Uh, after like leaning on all these people it's just crazy because it's like when you have a, a a case cold for like so long like it's literally been like 25 almost 25 years anyway um you know being affiliated with these people you don't have a long lifespan <laughs> so it's like oh anyone God. who could say something is probably dead right well and that, that actually kind of works in their favor too because now that they're dead, they can actually talk about it. Yeah. But, yeah. So maybe eventually there's going to come a point where like enough people are dead. Like it's going to have to be like Suge's dead, like Suge Knight's dead or something, or like P Diddy's dead or like anyone who's involved, like the, the very last person who's involved is dead. And then like, finally like someone who's like now 70 is like, all right, I have some information. Well, that's kind of what's happening right now. Cause like people aren't really scared of Suge anymore. Cause he doesn't yeah. have the, the backup right now. Yeah. But I was watching the uh, the show, and um, they went into uh, David Mack, who was also um, a big part of this conspiracy, um, because he was a cop that worked for LAPD that was friends with Suge. And <laughs> this guy is a piece of work, man. <laughs> so this guy was a cop who was a, a supposedly a blood who was friends with Suge. He robbed a fucking bank. <laughs> he was arrested in December 97 for robbing $722,000 from a Bank of America. Jesus. Yeah. So he started dating this girl who worked at the bank who I guess like was the inside person that helped him rob the bank. Uh, I see. Did she get in trouble, do you know? Oh yeah, she oh, was. Nice. Uh, she was like an assistant and branch manager because usually they're not supposed to have that much money. Yeah. So they were saying that the money that they stole was supposed to go to this guy, Amir Mohammed, um, also known as Harry Billups, who was supposedly the guy that actually killed Biggie, mm. because supposedly he was not paid in full. I don't know that that was ever proven, but this guy. I think this guy was the one. Yeah, he was involved in the Rampart scandal. So basically, after they, um, basically they, they found like all all the stuff in like a drawer that was like just like evidence. <laughs> yeah, it says he was present on the night of the murder outside the uh, the museum. So this is what they said. Uh, they they weren't able to supposedly prove it though. So there was like a whole uh, Rampart investigation thing that. Uh, 
once they realized how corrupt this guy was, they started looking more into the LAPD. And uh, there were like a few officers that got in trouble. And this guy had like pretty big ties to Big E. And um, this other guy that he was friends with kind of matched the the sketch description of the guy that people said was the guy that shot Big E. I don't know if it was ever actually proven who did it though. So is there more evidence about who killed uh, Tupac than there is the who killed Biggie? I don't know if they ever actually figured out who shot Biggie. Mm. So there's not even been like rumors on the streets like about it where it's like you have all these people who are like, oh yeah, no, Orlando did it. Like it's not it's not in a similar situation. Well, they were saying it was this guy. Oh, that's right. Um I forgot his name. But yeah, I remember you mentioning him. Yeah, this guy, uh, they were saying it was this guy, uh, Amir Muhammad. Yeah. Because he, he supposedly matched the sketch. And um, I guess he knew this guy. And he was spotted there the night it happened. Tell me about this documentary. The name of the documentary is Murder Rap, uh, Inside the Biggie and Tupac Murder Investigations. It's based on um, the 2011 book that I published, Murder Rap. And it's, uh, it's, it's like the book on steroids. It has all kinds of audio interviews and, uh, and uh, documents that uh, we couldn't put in the book. And it basically tells the entire story of what took place in these murders. Okay. Now, there has been multiple books about these murders. And it seems like th- there's been a number of ex, I believe, LAPD investigators that after they retired they went and released books are you familiar with what i'm talking about yeah and there there really hasn't been a a number of books uh is in regard as you've got you know john potash's book about the fbi being behind tupac's killing and then you have labyrinth which is a book that was um written by um randall sullivan where he collaborated with uh, russell pool another ex-lapd guy and they proposed a theory uh, that L.A. cops were involved in Biggie's murder. Um, but that theory was wholly refuted. And uh, um, unlike that book, um, we just used evidence from the case in order to uh, write murder rap and tell the story uh, from a very transparent perspective. And, uh, you know, we let the investigation take us where the evidence took us. We didn't have a motive to try to prove something um, based on preconceived notions. So tell me about the book that actually alleges that the FBI orchestrated Tupac's death. There's a book out there that uh, promotes the idea that the, that the government, the FBI, um, were I- instrumental in Tupac's death because he was this aspiring um, rapper with political aspirations and they wanted to silence him before he could get a movement going. Well, he was not aspiring. He was a very established Right, he was already a multi-platinum. He was probably the biggest rapper in the world at that point. Yeah, and, and he was—he did come from a Black Panther background. Correct. And he was definitely riling people up in terms of what he felt was unjust uh, treatment of African Americans in America. Correct. And uh, so I, I'm not here—I'm not refuting all of that. I'm just simply saying that to then make the leap to murder is is uh, really um it, 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 it's a big chasm there's no evidence to support it and that's the problem 
sure, you can create a motive. You can say, well, here's why they would do it. But it's, you don't, meaning, motive is meaningless unless you have evidence connecting the motive to the crime. And that's the difference here is there's nothing to, sub to support such a, a theory. So in terms of your documentary, what is different about your documentary rather than the other theories and the other books that have come out previously? The difference in our documentary is it's all fact-based. It's evidence-based um, uh, information. It comes from inside the investigation, not from outside. So we had all of the material uh, to rely on, uh, access to everything. And so that's the difference. It wasn't based on speculation and innuendo. It was based on facts and evidence. Well, people are going to look at this and say, you guys have this great documentary where you feel that you've solved the murders of Biggie and Tupac, but here we are coming into 2016 and no one's been convicted for the murders of Biggie and Tupac. That's right. It's very unfortunate. Uh, just a um, unfortunate chain of events. You know, we didn't solve the crimes until long after the fact. You know, we didn't develop this evidence until 2009, you know, 13 years after Tupac's murder and 12 years after Biggie's murder. So you guys create this documentary about the murders of Biggie and Tupac. And you say that it's all fact-based, it's all internal, it solves all these questions that everyone has. But here we are in 2016 and no one's been convicted for these crimes. And they're still unsolved by LAPD and Las Vegas PD. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't sit right that, uh, that we could have this kind of information and evidence and nobody goes to jail. Uh, but we have to keep in mind that when we've obtained this information, it's 13 years after the murder of Tupac Shakur and 12 years after the murder of Biggie. Right, but to be fair, there is no statute of limitations for murder. Correct. There's no statute of limitations for murder. However, you still have to have, uh, you know, people to charge. Orlando Anderson's dead. DeAndre's dead. Um, you know, Keefe's own confession is protected against self-incrimination. Uh, many of the witnesses are, are, have passed on. So, you know, when you look at it in the totality of circumstances, it's a very, very difficult case to try to charge either of them because we didn't develop the critical information till long after the fact. However, we can tell you definitively that this is what took place um, on March 7th of, uh, I'm sorry, March 9th of 1997 and September 9th of 1996. We know what took place and it's been established through empirical evidence. So the only person that could really be charged at this point in the Tupac murder is KPD. Of the conspirators that were in the car that night, uh, Keefe D is the, is the sole survivor. Right. So at this point, there's really no one that could even testify against him. Uh, correct. Unless someone claims that he told them and then they turn around, but then that becomes... That becomes hearsay. That becomes hearsay. There's no actual... Or, or if someone actually at the crime scene comes forward and... Like Suge Knight himself. You know, right. Suge Knight knew exactly who was in that Cadillac. Uh, Keefe D and Suge Knight were childhood friends. They'd known each other for years. Suge Knight looked across the car directly into Keefe D's eyes. He knew exactly who had shot at him and Tupac that night, which is exactly why the um, you know, mini war started in Compton the next day. 
Um, but there was never any question in, in Suge Knight's mind who that was. And all he had to do was simply sit down with Las Vegas investigators and say, I recognized Keefe D in the front seat of that car. And that would have led to uh, them being able to, to develop a prosecutable case against everybody there. Why do you think Suge Knight didn't do that? It's not in his nature to cooperate with uh, law enforcement. He would rather handle things on the street and uh, maintain his reputation. Uh, as opposed to cooperating with the cops and being labeled a snitch. And it's, it's, it's not the code that he lives by. What happened after the, the Tupac shooting in Compton? Uh, immediately after Tupac was shot, uh, members of the mob Piru and their affiliate blood gangs got together and, uh, and decided that they'd retaliate against the Southside Crips for, uh, for what had happened. Okay, and, and what happened after, at that point? There was some sporadic shootings taking place between the neighborhoods. It was a, you know, one of these like um, on-site type of um, atmospheres where if you see members of the rival crew, you're trying to gun them down. Uh, but it's a lot more difficult than people think. You have to go into your rival's neighborhood to find them, which means you're exposing yourself um, to the same kind of danger that you're there to, you know, that you're there to, uh, to do. What did you, in terms of your investigation, what did you know about Orlando Anderson in terms of his reputation, his criminal record, and his alleged criminal activities? Orlando Anderson was known as a shooter. Um, so was Terrence Brown. Uh, they were involved in uh, prior, you know, prior um, uh, criminal activities, uh, violent criminal activities. Uh, you know, Orlando had a bank robbery. Uh, Terrence Brown had been in a, uh, a shooting, or I'm sorry, a uh, uh, encounter where he was shot 10 times, all of this prior to Las Vegas. So these guys were active criminal uh, gang members. And uh, this was all just part of, you know, um, living out, uh, living out that mold. Was Orlando actually being investigated for murders or shootings or anything else like that? Yeah, at the time of uh, the Tupac Shakur murder, Orlando Anderson was already in under investigation uh, by Compton PD for another murder. I think the guy's, the victim's name in that was Albert Webb or something uh, to that effect. Okay. Did you know about, uh, about Sanika Shakur, Monster? I know who Monster is, yes. Okay. There was a, I believe, a Vibe interview where Monster said that he had been in the same, he was in the same prison as Suge, and he said that Suge told him that Orlando was the shooter. Did you investigate this at all? Yeah, I've heard that claim. Um, obviously, um, that corroborates Keefe D., and it corroborates the idea that Suge knew exactly who it was. Um, so I'm not surprised to hear that. Um, but again, unless, unless Shakur is willing to step forward and take the witness stand, which we both know he wouldn't do, that uh, becomes unusable information. So from your point of view, you talk about monster, uh, Seneca Shakur. Let's just say monster, because you'll, you'll start saying, you'll say Shakur and people will <laughs> I know. assume it's Tupac Shakur. So, from a gang point of view, 
why would a gang member do an interview with Vibe magazine and essentially state a bunch of inside criminal information, but yet not, co but feel that that's any different than working with the police and saying the exact same thing because can't that actually be used as evidence, an interview? It can be used as impeachment evidence um, if he were ever to put up, put up on a stand and uh, questioned and he gave another answer than what he'd previously said publicly, then they could you know, impeach him with that or use that to establish his credibility, either or. So it just depends. Um, a lot of people uh, speak to uh, news outlets and magazines and they'll tell the story that they have to tell, but that doesn't mean they're willing to sit down and provide that inf same information to the cops and then be willing to take the stand. Perfect examples are individuals like Frank Alexander and Kevin Hackey who promote books and DVDs about what they think happened but then when they're, you know, when they're required to go to depositions and required to testify in court, all of a sudden they get amnesia or they, you know, um, become afraid of uh, the repercussions of testifying in court. So you can actually use an interview as part of a conviction? No, you can't. Uh, convictions have to be based on courtroom testimony, courtroom evidence. Okay. But you can use it, as I said, in order to impeach a witness if they get up on the stand and say something other than what they've said publicly. Well, when you say uh, impeachment, does that mean uh, perjury? Or is that different? Well, it can be perjury if you're proving what they're saying on the stand is the lie. Now, if the lie was the newspaper article and what they're saying on the stand is the truth, that's not perjurious, mm. right? Is that impeachment? It can be impeachment. Uh, that's what the defense would say. If an individual is on the stand and says, hey, this is what I actually saw, and an attorney will say, well, what about this article where you said you saw something different? And it's going to depend on whether that information that he's testifying to on the stand benefits the defense or does it benefit the prosecution. These are the issues that you work out in court. Uh, so, like, I guess what I'm wondering is, he's saying that, like, we, we made this documentary because it has things that we couldn't have put in the book. And is the reason for that because they would have had to have had certain pieces of information signed off for the book as opposed to for the documentary? I don't know. That's a good question. Hmm. Maybe just, like, it lets them get more in-depth on stuff. Hmm. So, okay, so... So Greg Kading says, basically, it was actually Keefe D that was supposed to be the one that, that was going to kill Tupac. Um, I guess he shot and he, his aim wasn't good enough, so he gave the gun to Orlando, who actually was the one who ended up killing Tupac. So this is what he says. Okay. And he says that, that, that's, that the information that he has is all evidence-based within the investigation and not outside of it, but if that were true then how is he uh, showing that as uh, basically evidence? Um, he said that he, he ended up getting this information from people. Like he basically, he said they leaned on people. Like they, they found people and they, they put pressure on them. Okay. And they, they gave them immunity basically. So some people actually have talked. Yeah. Like he, 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 he conf confessed, like he, he said, 
he he told him about Orlando and all this Man, to get out know, of charge. You know, if if Takashi six nine were only like you know a decade or so older, all this but, would have been blown open. But bro, that's the crazy <laughs> thing. When when six nine first came out, he was uh, he did the same thing. He he literally did the same thing Tupac did. He joined this gang. He wasn't yeah. from the gang. Yeah. He was running around feeling like he was untouchable. Same shit Tupac was doing. Yeah. The fucking guy that was head of his label said, we're the new death row. <laughs> I shit you not. That's hilarious. Now, anyway, uh, so Greg King had uh, an AMA he did on Reddit, mm. and um, he, he broke it down. He said Orlando was the one that killed Tupac. And he said uh, Suge Knight hired a guy named Wardell Faust, who goes by the nickname of Poochie. Wardell Poochie Faust was the one who killed Biggie in retaliation for Tupac's death. He said he believes their ongoing beefs between multiple factions of Bad Boy and Death Row are the reason that they were both killed. Yeah, I mean, I would believe it. That's the thing. It's like, if there's evidence of it and it's been put forth, great. Uh, as from a theory standpoint, I do believe that's probably how it went down. So he he says uh, these are not unsolved; they're just unprosecuted. He mm. said we we know who did this. These people confessed, um, and and they weren't really given like immunity necessarily. They were just. It's just that anything they say can't be used against them. But if they find other evidence to support this, then they could prosecute them. Is the guy who uh, killed Biggie still alive? No, nah, he's dead. <laughs> he's dead. Well, Again, that, that's probably why this is coming out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was killed in 2003. Dang. And I assume, like... Drive no. by. Yeah, okay. So, I mean... It was probably one of those things where they were like, okay, this guy killed Biggie. Like, we don't need to wait for the law to figure that out. And then they just went up and killed him. Unless there was other circumstances involved I don't know about. He was killed by a drive-by. Um, let me see. 14 years ago, or, well, probably longer than that now. What, 15, 16, 17 years ago. Yeah. He was killed. He was shot 10 times in the back and killed while riding his motorcycle down Central <laughs> Avenue in Compton. Yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, probably by the by the Crips. <laughs> He's suspected to be gang related, but was never solved. Yeah, of course. I mean, if if you're it, this guy's riding down Compton, if you're yeah. of course if you're the Crips and you see this guy, this guy's this guy's like your number one target. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. That's that's real stupid of him. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know if he had his helmet on, but I'm sure I'm sure they knew what what he was driving. Yeah, exactly. They probably had like license plates or something like that, like information like that in their heads, even. Yeah, I mean it's six years later. That's I mean that's, you know, that's that's not as I thought he was still out there. So yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah. Uh, it's kind of disappointing that these people are dead because it's like I, I I like I love it when people who do shitty things get thrown in jail later in life. It's my favorite thing. Like it's my favorite thing, and it's like. Uh, like when Bill Cosby got thrown in jail when he was 80, I'm like, oh my God, that's, that's perfect. <laughs> that's the most perfect thing ever. <laughs> He's now like spending the rest of his life, like in the worst uh, scenario. Dude, 
there was <laughs> there's a line in this uh, show that I was just watching and they were talking about like they were trying to get resources to uh, investigate the Biggie murder. Yeah. And uh, they, they were, he was like saying, we need to get like all these guys on this. And he's like, no, they're not going to give you that kind of money. He's like, why, why not? When uh, Bill's, Bill Cosby's son died, they, they gave us all this, the resources. He's like, that's different. That, that was Bill Cosby's son. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was America's dad. <laughs> oh, the fucking. He wasn't some gangbanger piece of trash. The fucking hypocrisy, man. I know. The fucking the irony, like yeah. This is the '97 man, like yeah, yeah. So I mean, uh, this show is pretty good though. I gotta say, uh, Netflix does a good job. It's called Unsolved. Unsolved, yeah. So and that's all about Biggie and Tupac, huh? Yeah, it's it's probably the most in depth thing I've seen. Like they they do a really good job painting the picture, showing their relationship. Showing all the other stuff happening around them, all the uh, the people, the investigation. It kind of like goes back and forth. It goes uh, between '97 and 2006, which is when the investigations happen, and then it flashes through the '90s of like Biggie and Tupac's relationship and everything that happens. Uh, I just got to the episode where the guy was robbing the bank. I, I'm sure it's gonna like. It was crazy because, like, the cops all show up <laughs> while he's at the grocery store, like, buying food. <laughs> he just goes outside. <laughs> Fucking helicopters are waiting. The SWAT team's out there. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> I love shit like that. And, like, especially, like that's the same kind of thing that happened to uh, the uh, – what's his name? The Golden State Killer or something. Like, he, he was so careful, like, for decades – and then, um, like, he's just, like, you know, going to his house. He, he puts his, uh, the key in the door and, like, fucking swarms of police cars go to, to his front yard. And there's, like, fucking <laughs> get down on your knees. He's, like, ah, shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, and they thought David Mack, the, this cop that robbed the bank, they thought he was the guy that uh, was behind it or he was paying the guy to do it. So, mm-hmm. so they were, like, oh, we think he's the guy, but he's already in prison doing fucking 13 years so there isn't even any point going after him yeah plus he can't prove it it's the worst yeah but just just the police corruption too like all these guys well i I was kind of blown away by the fact that uh suge knight had like uh la police like under his payroll yeah lapd compton police like so crazy I'm sure these guys were like from the same neighborhood and stuff. But so. it's smart. It's so smart. Like if you're gonna be someone like Suge Knight, like that's such a brilliant move. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The, these interviews are good too. I haven't even watched all of them, but uh, DJ P. Vlad. Did P. Did he ever have like New York cops under him? I don't know. Maybe. That wouldn't be a bad move. I'm sure he. I. I, I almost feel like you have to because. New York is such a crazy state. Like you're not even allowed to have a gun. Yeah, but also part of me is like maybe he didn't just because he wasn't as like I don't know criminal minded as Suge Knight was. Huh. I don't know. It's a good question. But he's always involved in some shit. Like, like there's so much stuff. Like he like even after the Biggie thing, there was the the, the shooting at the club with Shine. Mm. There was um. Shine was like the rapper he signed that kind of sounded like Biggie. Okay. And um, they were like at the club. It was like Puff Daddy and J Lo, and 
supposedly he puff daddy was throwing money around and shit and um i don't know supposedly he threw money in some guy's face or something and the guy felt disrespected and oh, yeah shot- oh i wish someone would disrespect me like that <laughs> <laughs> well i wonder who these guys are like again if these guys are like some notorious gangster guys yeah or something and he and shine said the guy was gonna pull a gun out and shoot puffy so so shine pulled his gun out and um he shot into the uh in the air supposedly like some warning shots Mm. and um then they go running off in their car uh they ditch the gun uh supposedly puffy was trying to bribe his um his driver to take the rap (laughs) he's like trying to bribe him with the diamond ring j-lo was in there it was like a whole like just crazy the poor shine ended up fucking going to prison for like 10 years for it damn when he was Was like yeah he was good Hmm. he's good he he got out but yeah i imagine his career didn't take off he wasn't the same man yeah yeah he uh i don't think he was even a citizen he wasn't allowed to he got deported Ah. Cause he um he got deported to Belize because he's from Belize and um he didn't really know his dad his his dad was like some politician and by the time he got out his dad became like the prime minister of Belize <laughs> so he's been out there but like he came back out and he like tried to I guess tried to change his style up or something I don't know because he he because everybody kept saying he sounded like Biggie but he came back out and his fucking music was trash man damn that sucks yeah you would think that like i don't know well maybe it's because like he he wasn't like practicing because i imagine that's a big part of it but like you would think that like that experience in prison would like shape you shape you lyrically or something yeah i mean there's some people some people it does yeah i mean he went through some weird shit he like converted to judaism he like uh the whole shit was weird the guy like i don't know I don't know, hopefully i hope he's i hope he's doing good Cause, yeah because man he got fucked over a few <laughs> a lot of people got fucked over by puffy like yeah he, yeah like everybody on his label left because the business was just bad that's why he's selling cologne and shit yeah well he was <laughs> he was doing clothing he was making like 100 million a year off of sean john he didn't so even crazy. need to do he didn't even need to do the music at one point. Like, yeah, he had a clothing line. He had cologne. He had restaurants. He had like, he had like a whole fucking thing, man. So is uh, Diddy a billionaire then? Mm, no, nah. he's got to be at least. I don't know. He's got to be like half a billionaire. <laughs> he's got to yeah. be like five hundred, maybe. Yeah, he's up there for sure. He's been. He's like, I think he's like fifty years old now, or some shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's like. He's been doing it since he was like 19, I think. So mm. he's got to be, he's got to be close for sure. Got to be close. He's got to put like some headphones or something out. Yeah, right. Got to put out something ridiculous. I don't know. Snoop Dogg uh, just recently started endorsing some headphones. Uh, I fucking forgot what they're called, but they're like ear, they're earbuds. But it's like. It's it's one of those. It, I got the vibe like because I he, I keep hearing podcasts like doing advertisements for it. They're like, oh, this is a uh, you know they're great and like other other brands uh, are making you pay for extra shit that, and it's just like uh, I bet they're like Beats. <laughs> like Ray J has some fucking head, earbuds now. Mm. 
Supposedly they're decent. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, I think actually, I think this, this is what I'm talking about. Actually, is that the same thing? I think so. I think I think Snoop Dogg also is like endorsing him. Oh, maybe it's, I thought it was Ray J's company. I think you're he, right though. I think it is Ray J's company. He was getting like a bunch of celebrity endorsements actually. Yeah. I remember. I keep hearing about him, and I keep I keep seeing the ads on like podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Um. So, are there any other conspiracies that we can talk about in regard to this? I think that was pretty much. I think that's pretty much it. Cause, cause before it was kind of like ambiguous. Like we didn't really know what was true, what wasn't. And yeah. I kind of feel like this is kind of like the definitive, like, case closed. Like, I th- I think it. I feel co- confident that it's actually been solved. Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of. I guess in a way, it's cool that it was like street justice that took care of these guys, <laughs> as opposed to like the actual justice system because it, it it makes more sense i guess to do it to have that done as opposed to like throwing him in prison yeah it's just it's just like so tragic because like, like the guy was saying like like some of these guys aren't worth anything like you can't like you can't make another tupac like, yeah yeah like the fact that suge was putting him out there to be in harm's way just shows to me that he didn't really care about him like that. No. Yeah. I don't think Sugar Knight actually, I think Sugar Knight is actually a sociopath. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know how well thought out he was. If he knew, like I have all this Tupac music. So if something happens to him, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Or if it was just like, I just like, whatever. Oh, that would be interesting where he's just like, ah, I got vaults. It's fine. I, I don't know. I don't know yeah. how, how well thought out he was on it. It would be now. I'm kind of bringing up the old theory that I have that I brought up during this episode, but it's like, what if he was like, ah, yeah, okay, we're gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and get uh, Orlando. Oh, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna point Tupac in the direction of Orlando, and then that's gonna set up the idea that Orlando did this all by himself to kill Tupac, but actually, Orlando was in the pocket of Suge Knight. And then it was all like this big conspiracy for Suge Knight to um, basically sell music that hasn't been released yet by Tupac. And it was like this huge marketing scheme. Well, that, that was part of the, I mean, that's kind of like the, the Suge kill Tupac conspiracy. Cause, cause Tupac wanted off death row. Supposedly people were saying that Yeah, he, he wanted to get out and if Suge kills him, he gets all the unreleased music. And he can keep putting it out. Yeah. And he I mean, gets all the profit. Are they are they still putting out new Tupac music? No, they stopped in like 2006, I think. Okay. But they were going from like... The well ran dry after 10 years. They, yeah, they were going for like 10 years. Jesus. And it was like double albums. Wow. Like there was... There was like a bunch of them. Like I, I think he... I think they put out more music... From when he died than when he was alive oh i bet because i mean didn't tupac only have like three or so albums yeah he had yeah i mean he he was pretty he was pretty prolific like he did put out a lot of music even while he was alive like yeah he had put out i want to say like four albums okay yeah in like the span of like three or four years yeah because they put out they put out like a group album too for him after he died mm. let me see okay so, so there were four albums that came out before he died that were studio albums. 
And then he had a collaboration album called Thug Life, which is like a group album that came out while he was alive. So if we're counting that, three, four, yeah, so five. Let's say five. Okay. Um, so after he died, there was a seven-day theory, which I'll count, but I it was like already done. Like he was already planning to put it out, I think. Oh. But but okay, well, we'll count that since it technically came out after he died. Yeah. So have any seven of the, day theory. Have any of the albums that came out after he died been like just trashed? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <clears throat> so there was a yeah, seven day theory. Yeah, because I imagine it's, it's music that he didn't want to release. Like a lot of it, I imagine. Well, some of it was like remixed and like changed. Like they they let Eminem do a whole album, like produce the whole album. Oh, was that bad? I, I some songs were good. Some songs were weird. Mm. Like he. Like he put Tupac on a song with Elton John for some reason. Hmm. Anyway, uh, let me see. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So they did seven albums plus a remix album. Plus they did like a soundtrack. Oh yeah, Death Row had some good soundtracks, by the way. Hmm. And then while Tupac, Tupac did a bunch of movies too. He did Juice. Did above the rim. He did murder as a case. Bullet, gridlock, gang related. Like a bunch of movies. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So he was on his way. I mean, he was probably going to be like a more serious Ice Cube, I guess. Oh, or maybe it was a little bit too early to tell because Ice Cube did some serious shit back in the day too. Yeah. Well, you remember Tupac went to acting school, like, oh. like he was an actor. Yeah before he was a rapper mm. so of course of course now that he had like some life experience and shit but remember like the the gang member dude that he was playing the, the the gangster he was playing he was basing it on these guys that he was hanging out with he was hanging out with these dudes to like get inspiration yeah for his movie right <laughs> so <laughs> yeah <laughs> hmm. Yeah, man. So yeah, so he definitely they definitely put out more more stuff. And, and Biggie was like less prolific. Like he didn't really have a lot of stuff that was left over when he died. Right. They kind of yeah, had his. You're not you're not hearing about like a new Biggie album. <laughs> well, and Biggie didn't really write down his raps either, so he would just kind of lay him down on the spot. Mm. So there were only like a a couple Biggie albums that it was they were kind of scraping the barrel like it was like freestyles and unreleased stuff and remixes and you know they tried but yeah but also also Tupac had more music out before he died than Biggie like like Biggie only ever put out two yeah real albums right I mean I guess Life After it was a double disc so you could say maybe three and then Born Again was like came out after he died but that was kind of like eh. yeah so so yeah, I mean, they're both their legacies will live on. They uh, they have some, you know, amazing music out there. It's a shame that, you know, the people that were supposed to protect them didn't protect them. Yeah, and dead killed them. Talking about you, Shug Knight. Yeah. No. What's that? Shug Shot. Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. It's a damn shame. Rest in peace. Yep. All right. So that concludes our. Biggie and Tupac episode, and uh, thank you for listening. Peace. What's up? <laughs>